The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Pat Gray is here on the Blaze Radio Network. Well, I'll just go home then. If Pat's here, I mean, I, what am I doing? <sighs> hey, I'm back. I don't know why, uh, you know, listen, you're stuck with me for at least at least another day today, and then uh, three more days next week, right? Right? Start the, start the holidays off right with me. <laughs> hey, it's Justin Barkley and for uh, Pat today Unleashed. We're going to have a lot of fun. Ron's here with us, always making things happen behind the scenes. And I got to tell you, it's been a blast so far. We've had some big news, and I, I think I started talking about this uh, a couple of days ago. Usually this time of year, kind of slow. News is kind of slow, and and even more so like the next week. So we'll see. God only knows what kind of shows you get next week, folks. I mean, you think this is bad. You just wait. You just wait till next week. Uh, I'll be interviewing like cat herders and like uh, uh, circus clowns. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be rough. No, I'm kidding. But I do think there is going to be big news next week. I, I think we just have the news. The 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 funnel hasn't shut off. The fire hose has not shut off. All year round. Why would it shut off next week? I know there's less people working and there's probably less folks in the media putting this stuff out. But nothing shuts down anymore. The blogosphere continues to roll on. Twitter's is open 24-7, like it or not, for the president and anybody else who wants to tweet and make news. Isn't that something, by the way? It's 2017 and tweets are news now. Half the stuff you see in the news, by the way, this is the problem, I think, that we see nowadays more than ever. I mean, this is a real issue, but half this stuff isn't really news. It's gossip. It's not gospel. It's gossip. It's not gospel. We're paying attention to innuendo and rumor and all this other stuff, and it really doesn't amount to anything. It's so flimsy. We'll talk more about that a little later on today. But, you know, it's just volatility everywhere in a lot of ways because of the disruption that's happening. I'm not necessarily calling disruption a bad thing. I just think you need to know about it. And I feel like you can be empowered. We all can, really, if we understand the climate, you know, where we stand, where things are, and what can come of them. What to expect, really? Much of this is knowing that you can't. You you really can't expect much. You just need to expect that things are going to change, and change is the only constant. Just be ready for it. I'll tell you that much. In my last five, six years of my life has been a constant sort of, I guess it's been an evolution, really. I talked about this uh, earlier this week, and I've talked about I've shared this before, but, you know, I've done radio. Since I was in high school. That's all I ever wanted to do as a kid in high school. I got into the the radio business. It was really 
it was really over the uh, the Christmas holiday. They needed, by the way, back then, this is how it worked. There was no computers or fancy gadgets or nothing like that that kept the radio station on the air. And have an old-fashioned human being, a person there to run a radio station. So I worked at this country station, and I played music. I just I had what well, was CDs then, and there were carts, which kind of looks like an 8-track if you're, you know, if you're familiar with those, those are, you had to, you know, plug those in. Yeah, no wheels. You had to throw that in there, and you and you uh, and you had to press play, and put the next one in, and just keep that thing going all night long. The one thing that I, I, I don't know if I had to catch that news or not. We had news at the top of the hour and bottom of the hour. I think it was. I had to. I don't know if I had to catch that or not. If it was just Christmas music, they just said, "Look." We need some, nobody else wants to do this. We need somebody to do this. Kid, you want to do it? I was like a kid in a candy store. Best Christmas present of all time was that, was that first job in radio, Christmas Eve. And I still remember to this day driving home that next day. I'm sure I made mistakes. Boy, I guarantee I made mistakes. Well, really, nobody was up listening or they care or could care, you know, couldn't care less about it, really. But uh, that's how I got in. And no looking back, over 20 years now, the blessing or a curse. <laughs> you know, it's all, it's, it's all I ever wanted to do. So in 2012, I, I got fired. I had this dream job. I had moved uh, to work with a really good friend of mine, a buddy. He's like family now. I moved to work with him uh, in, in this big market, and I thought it was like the dream job. I'll never, uh, this is probably the last job I'll ever, I can retire here. Uh, and I'm going to be super happy. This is it. I came in. We started crushing it. We won. My buddy decided uh, that he had health reasons. The job was killing him. He had to, he had to retire to get out. He gets out. They hire a new boss. New boss comes in. Meet the new boss. He says, I'm hiring all new people. <laughs> I want my people. So despite all the things of doing it right, checking off the boxes, you know, and, uh, and, and, and winning, right? And doing all the things that the world shifted in an instant. It changed. So the one thing for me over the last six years was to realize that, look, change is the only constant. We spend all of this time searching and grasping to hold on to something that is constantly moving. Life is a roller coaster, and the only people they say that uh, get hurt on roller coasters are the ones that jump off. So just go with the flow and always be ready to adapt. Always be ready to be fluid, as Bruce Lee said. Like water, right? Be like water. Be ready to adapt. Water has some amazing properties. Man, it can just absolutely cut through so many things, right? Uh, mountains, right? can knock people, buildings, major things over, but it also can be very smooth and fluid and shift and change. And I don't want to go too deep down the rabbit hole with you today, but we are, as we look back on 2017, that election in 16, the president taking the office in 17, being inaugurated last January, we're almost up on a full year now in the absolute show that has been circus we'll call it right that it, it, it has literally been over the last year love him hate him doesn't matter 
the media, throw that in there too. It has been a circus over the last year, and we're we're just getting started. I mean, I have a feeling we're just getting started. As we start to see technology progressing, we're going to see disruption on so many different levels and in so many different industries and every single nook and cranny and area of your life. We're going to see it. Politics is just the it's just it's just sort of the tip of the iceberg. Just the tip of the iceberg and there's more coming. One of those things, by the way, that is coming is the economy. It's the financial. And uh, now, now, stock market soaring, all those things are great. Uh, how long does that last? I don't know. I'm not an expert. We've heard people say that there are really good things coming. We've heard people say that we, you know, we have the conditions right for some great things. What about a crash? What about Bitcoin? What a story. Out of all the stories of the last year, 2017, and this one came on strong here at the end, hot and heavy. What about Bitcoin? I don't know if you've been paying attention to the news today. Is Bitcoin going to bust? Is there a is there a bubble? And what happens if that if that in fact happens? Cuz people are rushing into this right now. Or is Bitcoin going to thrive? Is it going to flourish? And at the end of the day, what does that mean for us? This is pretty fascinating, right? Because if Bitcoin thrives, if it flourishes, it has the ability to change the way that we do business all around the globe. Because you're cutting out the middleman in a lot of ways. I don't understand Bitcoin really enough to to fully jump into it and uh and 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 explain it to you but the good news is i know some people that do get it i know some people that do understand the bitcoin so today we're going to talk a little bit about bitcoin we're going to kind of dig into what's happening with it what do you need to know are you fascinated like me i kind of i kind of feel like i need to get into this bitcoin a little bit but i'm i am super hmm apprehensive about it there's something i guess my gut and i usually go with my gut it it, it, it never steers me wrong and unless i'm at the buffet then sometimes i've had some issues <laughs> but it's true you know i i i got this weird feeling is that just the fear kind of creeping in the fear of the unknown don't know how this whole thing's going to work out Hyper growth strategist. She actually owns some cryptocurrency herself. She'll talk a little bit about this. Uh, she's uh, she's got some quite the credentials. She went to Wharton of all places. I believe that isn't that where the president went to. So uh, Elaine O'Gorman is her name. She will join us coming up a little later on. Plus, there's there's all this talk of these tax cuts and what what do you need to know you know to really make sense of this. I'll bring a guest in later on that says there are a couple of things. She's CPA, and she'll tell you a couple of things you might want to do now in order to prepare for uh, for the new tax plan that's coming through. There's some things that you want to take advantage of right now. Plus, a good friend of mine is in a documentary called uh, Finding Noah. This guy went searching on an expedition with several other men looking for Noah's Ark. 
real dude, real guy, and a, and a great guy, as a matter of fact. But what he found on that search might have even been more valuable than he could ever imagine. All of these folks and more coming up today, plus your calls. Uh, we got a great show. We're going to have a really good time today. 888 a gift for me to you, right? <laughs> you can join the show at 888-900-3393. Also, my email, justin at justinbarclay.com, B-A-R-C-L-A-Y.com. I'm on Twitter, too, so reach out and say hi at Mr. Justin Barclay on Twitter. And over in the Facebook group, pop over and say hi if you're in the Pack Ray Unleashed Facebook group. Love to hear from you. Taking a quick break. We're back with more right after this. Barclay, in for Pat Gray Unleashed on The Blaze. Pat Gray on The Blaze Radio Network. Gray is here. It's the law now. The president has signed this thing, this tax cut bill, into law. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at Drudge right now. Some of the headlines, Rocky Start, Smooth Finish. Rasmussen puts the Trump approval at 44%. I always wonder who they're asking and what they're asking in these polls. Paper says Dems now counting on impeachment. Americans view on Mueller sours. Interesting. And uh, I saw another poll again today that said this: uh, the, the 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 view of this this task cut is still very unfavorable. Huh? How do you do that? How do you go? I don't, who doesn't want to pay less taxes? I've not met that person. I haven't seen, and, and unless unless they're buying in today, I'm going to drop dead. You're going to die because of the, again, with the dying and the being dead stuff. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. I'm still recovering from being dead from uh, net neutrality last week. So, I mean, it really, <laughs> now we're the walking undead at this point. It's really, it's something else, man. Every single time, there's a new issue. It's always death. It's it's a fascination. It's a fixation. I don't know. Anyway, that's uh that's uh, that's done. That's in the books. What they also um keep the government open for what another couple of weeks, four weeks maybe. I guess it goes to what to this this is extended to the what like fifteenth of January somewhere in there. So that one's that one's going to kick that can down the road. And our guest yesterday, uh, my good friend Mark Oberlin said, he, you know, he thinks there's going to be a huge infusion of money coming in because of uh, all this repatriation. Revenue's going to be up. As far as taxes are concerned, even because they're even when they lower the taxes, their revenue is going to go up because people are going to actually make more money. There's going to be a lot more to deal with. And now when they go in to deal with infrastructure, that, he thinks that's how they got the whole thing done. 
But I think that's a pretty good theory. And I matter matter of fact, uh, I did not was a little skeptical about this, and I didn't I didn't know if they'd really be able to get this thing done and whipped up into shape. I thought we'd have another Obamacare. You you, you probably felt the same thing. We we probably all envisioned. You know, uh, poor John McCain coming in at the last minute and doing the thumbs down stuff again. You know what I mean? That's kind of where I saw that going. God forbid. Uh, but uh, but it's done. It's wrapped up, and it's uh, it's rocking and rolling. And will will we stay controversy free? I don't know. You got stuff about North Korea in the news. They're still talking. Yeah, there's there's a story in the Washington Post. Democrats now are running for impeachment. How do you make that happen? I don't see that happening. I don't care who you are. I I don't know. Um, and uh, you know, amongst other things, there uh, there is the Bitcoin story to talk about today too. So we'll uh, we'll get into that. But uh, yeah, this is the this is the thing that I that I found uh, kind of newsworthy on this Bitcoin. Uh, the value has dropped a third. Bitcoin loses third of value over a week, and they lost a big chunk of that in twenty four hours. It's now down to twelve thousand. $884. It was up to $20,000 at one point. That's one Bitcoin. And again, I don't understand a lot of this Bitcoin stuff, but I can find some people who know what they're talking about. We'll, 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 try and, uh, we'll try and decipher this. Decode it. Bitcoin now. Uh, CNN talking about this. This is uh, Bitcoin companies jumping on Bitcoin blockchain bandwagon. Careful, Richard. Don't get into this unless you know what Too you're getting into. Too late. As this report makes clear, we've already been out. You need to understand Bitcoin. We needed to show you how. So we dipped our toes and we're showing you as we will follow for the next few months. Thousands of others have done what we did. The goal here is very simple. We're going to attempt to buy a bit of a Bitcoin. Clearly, we're not going to buy that much. But with Nolan and Paul, we are going to show you how easy or difficult it is. I want to buy a Bitcoin. Have you ever bought a Bitcoin? I have not bought a Bitcoin before. I'm interested to see how easy it is. Where do I start? First, we're going to get your wallet. So so before I've even got my Bitcoin, I'm going to... Get a wallet. Wallets, digital wallets that we use in the cryptocurrency world, don't actually store coins. What they store are cryptographic keys. They manage, generate, and transact. There we go. Your wallet was successfully created. Before accessing your wallet, please choose a PIN number. Use and lock your wallet. It's important to remember this PIN as it cannot be reset or changed without first unlocking the app. This has put a lot of onus on the user for security. That's one of the major differences here. Instead of asking the bank to secure all of our personal information, the onus is now on us to manage our own cryptographic needs ourselves. Oh, dear God, what could go wrong? Are you kidding me? (sighs) Let me ask you a question. This guy on CNN, uh, I forget his name, the British dude. 
What is it about British people? Side note. Is it the accent that just kind of, they, and they'd like to throw them on TV, too. It's like, you know, yeah, these guys are smart. They could, Clearly, they got a British accent, you know? What, what, what is it about that? You notice this? I have brought what was a uh, party gift to people at one of our events uh, about two years ago. And there are .01 bitcoins on it. So that would mean this is one one hundred, so $187. Fine. Um, Where did you get this? This was given to me. This was a, a, a gift. But it's so, just symbolic. You cannot no. use this as legal tender, per The se. coin is symbolic. But What's like, under this hologram here is a private key. Gotcha. And what we're arguing in this whole Bitcoin revolution is that keys are currency. Private keys are bearer instruments like okay. cash. And because it's a bearer instrument like cash, if someone would even mm -hmm. see your uh, key, right. they could use it as if they possessed the Bitcoin. <laughs> what you got to do now is you got to peel the sticker off. So take your fingers and peel it off. This is there so that you know that the manufacturer, these are bearer instruments, okay. right? The actual private key is a bearer instrument. So what stops people, kind of like uh, with your credit card, right? Except there's no security here. What stops people from stealing your key, hackers from hacking into your wallet and getting your key? These are some questions. We'll have to ask the expert coming up here in a little bit. But what stops people from getting that or seeing your, your credit card number? And then, you know, if you if your credit card gets you ID theft or something like that, uh, you, they they can track. They can go after this person who stole it. They can... Uh, they can find them. They can throw them in jail, lock them up if they want to. With a credit card, they have all these. And then again, you're not out for it, right? You haven't actually lost anything. Uh, with this, if it's hacked or it's out or somebody finds it and they, and they use your code, pfft, you're out of luck, buddy. So it would be the same as having cash. If someone knows your private key, they can access your funds. So now what we've got here is just a simple QR code. You'd call this a paper wallet. If you get access to these wallets, it's like getting access to cash. Right. Think of it as a bare instrument and cash. Success! Important so that's private a private key. key. So you've got 0 .01 Bitcoin. So click on the top there. You've got. I have $186.43. There we go. And you can touch as it. As of right now. Yeah, as of right now. Just wait a second. Because that number's going to change. You Let's know. assume we haven't got this. get a bitcoin so normally you'd fund an account after you shared your personal information so they know who you are you would attach a bank account to it and that would allow you to do these transfers uh they so would so i would and, and where would i do that with one of these people uh you could do it with coinbase you can do it with bitcoin.com you can do it with kraken i've already got my wallet yeah so can i go now if i want to look at my wallet on here yeah you can log in there we are you're, you're in. impressed and it's now supporting ether we can buy even more i think i understand it do you? A little bit. Mr. LaMonica and I now own $170 worth of Bitcoin. Which will follow frequently over Yeah, but you notice at the beginning of the segment he owned $187 worth of Bitcoin. Now he's down to 170 That's a, that's a three-minute segment. Uh, by the way, this is how volatile I told you earlier. It was, what, uh, what 12800 Now it's up to 12953 this is why people are losing their mind about this stuff. I've got, I see people on Facebook. They're posting about it 24-7. It's crazy. How do you make sense? You like what I did there, Ron? Sense. <laughs> and better yet, dollars or bitcoins, even more, right? How do you make uh, heads or tails? That's I can't stop myself.
what happens is I start, and then the puns they just keep coming out. Uh, but seriously, what do you like? How do you figure all of this out? Because it sounds really interesting. And I know that Bitcoin dropped to like what eleven thousand. Seems like it's climbing back up now. It's a roller coaster, man. You have to really have the stomach for this. Like, uh, invest in tums. That's that's what you got to. That's what you got to do. People that are getting into this, can you imagine the up, the down? Now it's down to twelve eight eighty four again. I keep refreshing. So let's shine some light on this whole Bitcoin stuff when we come back, an expert to do just that. Questions? You want to jump in? 888-900-3393. It's 888-900-3393. We'll try and tackle this. Barclay, in for Pat. Pat Gray unleashed on the blaze. Pat Gray, the Blaze Radio Network. returns on the blaze radio network let's bust through this bitcoin bubble let's try and see if we can figure this thing out it was below it dropped below eleven thousand. it was up at like twenty thousand on i think on sunday bitcoin's gone down uh today currently who knows depending upon when you hear this 12953 is where it sits Trying to make some sense out of all of this because it's either like the best thing. It depends on who you talk to, right? The best thing since sliced bread or it's the apocalypse. Everybody run. I kind of feel like it's probably somewhere in the middle. It's, that's just me. So is this bubble bursting or is this a buying opportunity uh, with, the, with the fallout, the drop of this whole thing? Elena Gorman is a hyper growth strategist. She owns her own. Uh, cryptocurrency herself. She has a finance degree from the Wharton School, uh, and she is actually on the line with us right now to talk a little bit about this Bitcoin to try and see if we can figure it out. Is it the end of the world, or is it a great thing? Elaine, welcome in and and help us figure this out. Yeah, well, first a little bit about Bitcoin for you know for people who keep hearing about it but really don't don't have a grasp on it. The way to think about Bitcoin is to think about it the same way, like in some ways, you buy a song on iTunes or. You buy an ebook on Amazon. You own the asset. You can use the asset, but there's nothing physical to hold in your hand. However, unlike that song or an ebook, cryptocurrency, including Bitcoin, which is the largest one, is designed to be easy to trade. And there's established high volume exchanges where you can buy and sell. But fundamentally, it's still a very um, it, it's an asset that's value is determined solely by the opinions of people who are buying and selling it and it's always been volatile um, and we're seeing a lot of that volatility especially in this last week mm. yeah can you tell me Elena this part of this is what I'm trying to wrap my head around sort of where does it get its value from I mean it's not like uh, tied to anything physical or uh, any sort of commodity or anything like that. What is the what does the value in Bitcoin come from? Well, you know, so fundamentally, the even the U.S. dollar isn't backed by anything physical anymore, and hasn't been for a hundred years, right? So, but but obviously, 
cryptocurrency is very different than the U.S. dollar in a lot of ways, some positive and a lot negative. So um, what drives Bitcoin or any cryptocurrency's value is frankly just the opinions of what other people think of it and to a certain extent of the underlying technology that's, going to, that's carrying it forward, which is called blockchain, which is you know kind of a whole separate discussion. Um, but, you know, with a lot of people, there's been a lot of media interest. It kind of caught the imagination of people in the last couple of months because it's had a pretty good run up. And so we've seen a lot of people trying to get into the market that put upward, even further upward price uh, pressure on the price. And, you know, I, I think we were all expecting a bit of a correction and an interesting question. We've seen it, right? We've seen it and seen it draw a pretty precipitous drop in the uh, last four days. And the question is, kind of, how low will it go compared to its high around, you know, twenty thousand or almost twenty thousand? Um, we're now currently sitting around thirteen thousand, and uh, you know, does it go below? Does it go below that magic ten thousand mark, um, or does it, you know, steady up and, and head back up to fourteen or fifteen, like a lot of analysts are predicting? So, does this, you know, does this end up? going higher over time is this a good time to buy this stuff i know it's kind of weird we're talking about it like it's a stock but um the technology piece of it is is really interesting and what that allows it to uh, us to do i guess uh the question is is this uh, you know is this something that uh, needs to be looked at as the future and or or is it is it still got a ways to go well, I think it's going to depend on the personality of the investor. This is a highly speculative, one could say esoteric type of device. So if you're a derivatives trader or, you know, someone who, who you know, dabbles in other types of uh, options and, you know, really complex types of, uh, of investments, then this may be good for you. You're also probably used to the kind of price volatility that goes along with that. If you're an average investor that's not interested in particularly interested in risking your principal, this is not a particularly good investment vehicle, period, particularly right now when we're seeing this level of price volatility. I mean, look, Bitcoin itself, it's up 1,300% this year. It's up 55% in the month, but it's down 28% this week. And in today, in the last 24 hours, the high is 44% higher than the low. So this is not for the faint of heart. Um, if you've got play money that yeah. you're interested in dabbling in because you want to learn something different, that's great. But, you know, like any investment where there's a principal risk, don't bet what you can't afford to lose. So some of the questions out of the media and the coverage on this are asking, does this thing crash today? What does that mean? Is, the, is there a bubble that's going to burst uh, with this stuff? You used words like correction and things that I think are a little more kind of prudent and reasonable, and I think folks can kind of understand those uh, terms, uh, I guess, as it's uh, compared to the the stock market and things like that. But uh, Bitcoin doesn't have a lot of history, really, in order to be able to predict where this kind of thing is going to go. And as you said, it's really it sounds like it's kind of really based upon people trusting each other. That's where the value comes from what what is that what does that mean uh people are very unpredictable sometimes people are extraordinarily unpredictable and look 
Litecoin is one of the other um, kind of major currencies. Bitcoin is about 40% of the market on a given, on a, a total cryptocurrency market on a certain day. Litecoin is one of the, you know, top, top five or so. And, you know, the, the, the founder of, uh, or the creator of Litecoin, you know, came out really recently and said, hey, if you're not prepared to lose, you know, 90% of your investment, this is not something that you should be in. You got mm. to stomach for this, this type of thing. Um, and uh, so we've got this interesting, um, uh, interesting dichotomy right now between people. Uh, it's being it's being called the new coiners versus uh, you know versus the old coiners, right? right. So then it's all the new people are getting the market kind of messing around, and those who have been there for years and made a tremendous amount of money because they got in really really early. Um, you know, are in some cases, you know, monetizing off of this off of this pop, and that drags it down. And then you get more people still trying to come in. There's a lot of the a lot of the exchanges are still backed up trying to verify new users who are buying in. And as long as you've got new people buying in, you've got upward pressure. And as you can see from those these these recent numbers, that pressure, which one's winning, changes by the hour and by the minute. So it's. Uh, um, you know, it's, it's a grand champion roller coaster. So if you're, you know, if you're an adrenaline junkie, you're, you're great. But I don't know that too many people are adrenaline junkies with, you know, a significant amount of their savings. So if you've got, and, and this is something that I kind of think about, like, I just haven't pulled the trigger on it. I guess my question is, you know, how much do I want to? To me, it's like going to the casino. Uh, you're going to the casino, consider this entertainment, <laughs> whatever you're taking with you, because uh, who knows, like you said, uh, be prepared to, to lose 90% of it. So, you know, you got a couple hundred bucks laying around or, or maybe a little bit more and you, you can afford to let that go, then you're fine with that. You throw it out there and you you, you see how it runs. You kind of experiment and test it, I guess. Um, is that the phase that we're in with, with, with this? It, it may very well be, and you know, I, I think it, I think the casino analogy is, is is perfect. You're right; it's it's kind of an entertainment fee, and if you make something more, if you make something off of it, that's that's kind of just a bonus. I also think that if you're going to get in, you really need to be paying attention to the market, and you need to kind of have predetermined ideas of well, if it gets this high or this low, this is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, there's two strategies. One is you can watch it really closely and try to time it. This is, you know, this is basically day trading. And the other one is that, look, this, in, in some way, cryptocurrency as a whole is a little bit like solar. Like, I think we all believe that the technology in batteries and the technology in solar is going to be a really big deal in the next decade. But which stock do you buy, you know, that mm-hmm. happens to be in the solar space, there's a lot of noise between exactly which one you buy and which one's going to succeed overall in solar. And I think we're, you know, it's the same thing. Bitcoin right now happens to be the biggest cryptocurrency. So there's a lot of people that are saying, well, crypto, you know, I'm using it as a proxy, right? So I think that cryptocurrency and the technology that underlies it is going to be a big deal. Bitcoin is the biggest player in the market. So I'm going to bet make my cryptocurrency, my blockchain bet by investing in Bitcoin. But, you know, Bitcoin in, in the end is, is one thing. There's a lot of specific things that impact it, and it may not be the winner. So, um, so yeah, I, I mean, I think, again, it's a highly speculative, esoteric investment. And I think one of the things that makes it most interesting is that most crazy, you know, kind of highly volatile investments, you have to go through a broker. You can't buy 
you know, derivatives and these other things without going. But I can plop down a credit card and have and have a Bitcoin wallet in less than 10 minutes right now. And so I think some of the normal barriers to entry on these these super risky investments are don't exist with cryptocurrency. And that's where we're seeing a lot of you know, people get in that really don't know what they're getting into. Elena Gorman joins us right now. One of the questions I have about Bitcoin is how do I do it? What, what are the costs associated? As you just said, you can get a wallet. Uh, you know, uh, people may not, and I barely understand this to my, but you, you, in order to have this Bitcoin, you have to have a wallet. And we're not talking like something physical you keep in your pocket. How does that work? Well, there's, you, there's a couple of choices. You can have a, a, you know, a local wallet that is on your computer, your phone, or you can, you know, have a wallet at one of the larger exchanges. Now, do your research. Um, in particular, we've seen in the last week, um, Google Play ended up with three fake wallet apps mm. on on their store. Um, they were quickly taken down, but you know they're they're trying to capitalize on people who you know are trying who are trying to get into cryptocurrency and, and don't want to know what they're doing. So you know, do your research and get into um, you know a, a well-established exchange that's got a lot of information out there about it. But realize that even with these larger exchanges, they're still fairly immature. So mm-hmm. um, you know, we've had instances of them going down. We've had instances of them having huge backlog in customer service. One of the larger ones, Coinbase, uh, has recently announced that they've increased their, you know, their support team by 650 percent. Wow. But I know I personally had a uh, an issue outstanding with them for 21 days. Wow. And you know, in 21 days in the life of cryptocurrency is a really, really long time. Yeah. So you know, you need to understand, expect that there's going to be some some messiness in there. And the other thing that you need to expect is that it's a lot easier to get into cryptocurrency than it is to get out a lot Ugh. of times. There's verification steps that are required for taking money out of crypto that aren't mm-hmm. necessarily required for buying in. They're different by exchange, so make sure that you understand what the process is before you put your money in. Boy, that could be something. You're waiting 21 days. I'm trying to get out before this thing crashes. 21 days later, it's in the tank. Uh, I was up high, and I, now I can't get out. I mean, that's that that is uh, that's something to uh, to be concerned about. Okay, so let me ask you one last thing, Elaine. What um, and I kind of remember back to history with the gold rush and things like that. People made a lot of money. They made fortunes really around uh, not just the gold itself, but like supplying things and 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 I guess these miners, these people that were going out to do that. What kind of opportunity is there for for maybe entrepreneurs or people that are watching this thinking, hmm, maybe maybe I can get into this. Maybe there's something that I can do to uh, to serve some people around this. Boy, you know, that, that is definitely the big question a lot of entrepreneurs are asking themselves right now. I mean, heck, I was asking myself that yesterday when, uh, when I was having a conversation at lunch. Uh, and so, yes, serving people around this technology that are trying to buy and sell, um, information that's around it, uh, new apps. Um, I, there's a lot of activity going on. Um, and there's a lot of, I mean, there's a tr- actually a tremendous number of cryptocurrencies in general. There's literally thousands of them out there. Mm. Most of them are very small and illiquid. Some of them have some really new and interesting features. One that's been getting a lot of attention lately is Ripple, um, and it's got some interesting features that are you know, ultimately designed to help with bank clearing. 
um, as a more efficient man, uh, way of, of doing bank clearing. So there's been, you know, that's been a huge run in Ripple, and Ripple is one of the ones that hasn't been as affected by this drop. I think that's because it's already over uh, overinflated. Um, so, you know, it'll be really interesting to see what types of businesses and, and new types of things, but there's a lot of people who are looking at that really closely, and I suspect we'll see some people who have come with some reasonably good long-term sustainable business based on this run-up. We'll keep our eye on it, too. Elaine, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you. Yeah, my pleasure. That's Elaine O'Gorman, a a hyper-growth strategist. She has some of that cryptocurrency. She's invested in it. She says you, if you plan on investing, you may want to stock up on the Tums as well. You may get a bad case of heartburn. But uh, she's got a finance degree from the Wharton School. And I thought uh, shined a pretty good light on that. I, I, I This is where I look. Cash, the dollar, we always hear about that. And I think you should have a little cash. I think you should have a little gold. I think she should definitely be investing in the stock market. Uh, why not have a little Bitcoin, too? Just the amount of whatever you have is going to have to depend on where you are. I mean, I, that's just kind of I, I kind of like to have a, a little bit of everything. That kind of go out now. The the risky thing that I've been hearing about is people like going out mortgaging their house to to put everything into Bitcoin because they saw this this huge you know skyrocket um, launch of this stuff, and um, that's scary because you you know that's not gonna that's not gonna end. Whatever you do, love to hear from you. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three one eight 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 nine zero zero three three nine three. The email open Justin at JustinBarclay dot com b a r c l a y dot com. Sound it's spelled just like it sounds. Bar Clay and at Mister Justin Barkley on Twitter. Taking a quick break. We're back right after this. Barkley in for Pat Gray unleashed today on the Blaze. You are listening to Pat Gray on the Blaze Radio Network. Just it, uh, you know, in case you're keeping track, that Bitcoin's already up to thirteen thousand three hundred eighty-nine right now. So it's gone up over thousand dollars since we uh, since we started talking about. Sure, that's uh, that's no coincidence. <laughs> the power of the blaze. Hey, and and for full disclosure, because I, I honestly have no idea how much of this, like what you're supposed to say at time. I don't own any of this Bitcoin, so I have I know nothing about it, other than what uh, you know the what I read in the papers and uh, and what our good friend Elena Gorman just said on the phone. I mean, that was kind of interesting. I, I think there's some I I see some potential for some really cool things to come out of that. Uh, just something that we need to keep our eyes on. You know, moving forward, that's the big story. 2017, I think, is disruption. They're missing it. Every place I see it, they're missing it. 
I mean, they go through and they 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 list all these big actual events and whatever. The theme, this the real story of 2017, and I think beyond is disruption. The constant shift. And it's always been this way, by the way. Things have always changed. But I believe the speed at which they change is different today because of the technology, because of the world we live in. There's leverage. So the impact at which they're felt and the speed at which they happen, it's lightning fast. Top uh, top ten stories from AP. By the way, sexual misconduct making the making the top of the list. I, I don't know. I mean, some of that stuff is pretty profound. Some of it, uh, I, this this feels like PR. By the way, this feels like they're setting up. Uh, 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 to me, uh, 2018, we're coming after Trump. Um. But I don't. I mean, some of this stuff, yes, I think is powerful. I think we're going to live in a world where you can't hide things. We've already kind of seen like privacy being impacted. I think in a lot of ways. And meanwhile, I don't necessarily think this is a bad thing. I just think that we're going to live in a world where you can't um, you can't take advantage of people. I think we're going to live in a world where the secrets are revealed. Our deepest, darkest, most twisted secrets, the things that we want to hide from everybody and never let the light shine on them. I think I think we're going to live in a world where all of that is just cut open and spills right out into the streets. You can you can decide good, bad, ugly. I don't. How about the story number two, by the way, from the AP here out of the top 10 stories of 2017. Trump's first year controversy starting with inauguration day. It's so stupid to look back on now and think about the crowd size that people were arguing about. That was the beginning. We should have known the the way the media The way they made such a big deal about crowd size and the accuracy of the numbers from day one said it all. Number three, I think, is a little bit higher, should be a little bit higher on this list. And and by the way, I have some interesting new updates on this. Number three is the Las Vegas mass shooting. 64-year-old high-stakes video poker player after a amassing an arsenal of weapons, they say, unleashed a barrage of gunfire from a high-rise casino hotel that killed 58 people and injured hundreds among a crowd attending an open-air concert along the Las Vegas Strip. Weeks after the massacre, questions about the gunman's motives remain unanswered. That's the story. It's not that it happened. The story is, why do we still have questions about this? Again, I don't know why. Every time something like this happens, I have to preface, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. It almost makes you think, well, maybe I guess I am a little bit. Here's the deal. I believe in asking questions. 
That got me in trouble in school when I was a kid. I'm just a curious person by nature. I want to understand things. I really want to get down to the root of things. I'm just curious. I want to know. So uh, I ask questions. I used to get in trouble, like I said. It still kind of gets me in trouble nowadays. Why don't we have an answer here? And there's a there's many different uh, theories on this, and there are many different things that play into this. Uh, and by the way, uh, coming up in a little bit, I've got this story that says it still may be some time until we know for sure what happened. They did release, I believe, uh, uh, it was an autopsy report. They ruled officially it was suicide, the death of this man. But why is it going to take so long, and how long will it be before we know the motive? That's an interesting story. We'll, we'll touch on that when we come back. Anything else you want to join us, love to have you aboard. 888-933-93 is the number. 1-888-900-3393. And for Pat Gray Unleashed today, it's The Blaze. Pat Gray Unleashed on The Blaze Radio Network. is here on the blaze radio network i am refilled and refueled i got a little more coffee i don't know what you're sipping on today but we appreciate you being here with us and uh the wife made last night lizzie made she oh my god she's like on a baking palooza right now she made snickerdoodles she made the old oh man this stuff i can't she's couple of pies some snickerdoodles she had like some sort of bar thing i'm telling you guys i i, I wish uh i, I wish that uh, we were together i'm see i'm in michigan that's how this works right and uh these guys are down you can, ron you're in dallas right that's where you guys are i wish i uh, wish i had some of these left man because i could have tell they went fast today they just went fast yeah, I know. I gotta tell you, I've been watching it, man. God, I gotta watch it. Yeah, Santa Claus, exactly. But anyway, uh, yeah, we're fired up and ready to go. I don't know what you're up to uh, and where you are, but we'd love to hear from you if you want to join the conversation. Triple A nine hundred thirty three ninety three coming up. We're gonna talk tax cuts. And what do you need to know from a CPA who can tell you? Hey, there might be a few things you want to do right now before. These new cuts go into place so that you are prepared uh, for the next year. By the way, President signed this, got it uh, got it on the desk, and signed it all up this morning. I was going to wait for a formal signing sometime in early January, but then I watched the news this morning, and they were all saying, will he keep his promise? Will he sign it by Christmas? You will one, but will he sign it by Christmas, and I called downstairs. I said, get it ready. We have to sign it now. I thought they would have done that, too. I thought there was going to be a big presentation thing, but I did. I thought it was going to get signed and be done. I don't know. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of funny that he actually calls down again. Now, does he, does he really do that, or is that just more of the old showman? I, I don't know. I mean... 
with this guy, you can't tell. That's, <laughs> you just, that's the thing. And that's, I think, what's, what's frustrating to most people. I think that's what most people just go, oh, especially these folks in the media types. You know, they go, I, I don't even know what's going on with this guy. It drives them absolutely batty. And that may be the point. Consumer spending is up for the holidays. New homes see biggest jump in 25 years, but they say personal income is lagging. That will come along. We've already seen those companies like AT&T, Comcast. We saw uh, Fifth Third, Wells Fargo announce these big, huge bonuses they're going to pay because of the tax breaks, the law that are coming in, this money coming back over. Uh, they've also talked about raising minimum wage. I think it was Fifth Third, Wells Fargo. A couple of them talked about raising their their minimum wage to fifteen bucks an hour. So, hey, you know what? Cheers, good for them. A little different when companies do it versus oh, I don't know, like these states that now have you know their minimum wages jumping up, and and there's some that these fifteen dollar an hour minimum wage states, like you can't. I mean, you have to pay the guys to flip the burger 15 bucks. And so what happens is, and God, listen, God bless them. I flipped burgers when I was a kid before I started radio, and it is, it's a heck of a job. I'm glad I had that job, though. You know why? Because I knew after I had that job, man, I never want to go back there. So I just busted my butt. Now, I, I guess I would if I needed to, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's entry-level stuff. You know, you can't. You can't uh, you can't get away with paying because if you pay everybody fifteen bucks to flip burgers, one or two things is going to happen. The burgers are going to cost fifteen bucks themselves to buy. You won't be able to buy a burger for less than fifteen dollars. Or number two, uh, you'll have robots replacing all those folks, and they're seeing that. Have you seen the kiosks? Oh, they're creepy. The kiosk you go to like a McDonald's or you go to, um, I think Wendy's is doing the kiosks too. You walk up. Tell them what you want to eat. Basically, punch it in on a on a giant iPad that's standing in front of you, kind of thing. It's a big screen, touch screen there, and you're done. And then there's like a robot in the back that makes. Now there is like a per, there's like one person that works there, and they're just kind of floating. You know what this model is? It's the self checkout model, which I hate. You go to the grocery store. There's never any lanes open anymore. And so they have a self-checkout, so you have to do all the work. Well, it's just like fast food. Back in the day, you used to go to a restaurant. You'd sit down at that restaurant. That's what my parents call it. My mom and dad, my grandpa. There's a restaurant. You'd sit down there, and uh, when it's full service, somebody would come out and take your order. You know, the t- table would be clean. When you left, you got up, you left a tip, and then they would take clean the table. Well, the fast food restaurants came along, and what happened was they started training you. To do the work for them. You know, McDonald's and all these other places, you know, you've got the, uh, you get the trays. So now you get the tray when they hand it to you. You take it to your table. You stand there and wait. You take it to your table. And once you're done, you, you pick it up and you take it and you throw it in the trash. They have receptacles now, trash cans that say thank you and whatever on them. That's the social engineering that gets you to take your, to do the work for them. Now, that keeps the prices low. I'm not, you know, I'm not condemning them. I'm just saying that's that's what keeps the prices low. There are restaurants now. We get this weird thing. This kind of like, uh, it's it's fast casual, right? I don't know if you've ever been to a, like a Panera Bread, great place, love them. Chipotle, whatever you want to, 
these kind of places a little bit more higher end than like the fast food drive through kind of thing, right? And they do a little bit more of that stuff. We're singing like a swing back to people are are really saying, yeah, I want a little bit more better quality food. I don't care. I'm willing to pay a little bit more for it. And I want people to like clear my my trash and stuff like that. And that's 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 happening. The market. Funny thing what happens, the market kind of dictates this stuff. It's happening right now. But uh I'll tell you one thing. We have it here. There's a couple of different places that are like starting this in a couple of different country or companies that have been developing. Uber Eats is one, right? You can actually go on your app and they'll deliver food to you. It's amazing. The idea, anyway. I have not used the Uber Eats. There's a couple of these different Grubhub. They'll deliver stuff to you. I, I have not tried this yet. Uh, what I have done is here where they have uh, our grocery stores locally. They've got a company that um, it's called Meyer, and it's a kind of a big Midwest grocery slash. Um, it's kind of like a nice Walmart. That's the best way I can put it for you. The, it's it's not a Target, but it's a nice Walmart. Target's getting into the grocery game too, but uh, Meyer is based right here where I'm where I'm at in Michigan. And Meyer started having their groceries uh, delivered to, to to people via this app, a company called Shipped. So uh, we we shipped ourselves every week when we get our food s-h-i-p-t you just go on this app you you can order you can pull up whatever it is that you want different food you can even make a standard grocery list that you get every week and you can have the thing delivered in a time frame in a window uh the that 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 person can ask you questions if they're they're out of certain things would you like this would you like that you can make special requests we have started using that over the time that they've offered it. I'm, I don't know if it's a year or a little bit less. We have not gone back to the regular grocery store shopping. Now, I'm not saying we won't go into the grocery store and buy things when we need stuff in a pinch. We've spent a lot of extra money, but I'm going to tell you, we saved a lot of time, too. That's the new, that's the new move. Target just bought this company, S-H-I-P-T. They just acquired it. And they're going to start using this company, too. It's like an Uber. I, I, I think that's what we're going to see. We're going to see more service-based economy, people that are running around doing things for you so that you don't have to actually do them yourself. The things you don't enjoy doing, the things that uh, they're not fun, you know what I mean? The things that you could probably, you know, you you would you pay somebody else to do, and you can... You can enjoy time with your kids. We do a lot of this stuff. Now, we're not rich. We don't have a lot of money or anything. You know, it's not, not Don't get me wrong, but we do take advantage of some of these things because, I, you know, along with doing the radio thing, I do like an hour of radio a day, but I also have some business uh, that I have to attend to as well. I've got a small business on the side. So I, I am working on things, and sometimes I kind of break down, like, is this worth my time to be doing it? Like grocery shopping. What does that What does that save me? What does that pay? I mean, if you know, what what is my time worth? And and if my time is worth more than the time it takes to do the grocery shopping, that might be something I want to take off my plate. Cleaning the house is another one. We've got it set up now. This is going to sound so crazy to so many people, but it's true, and I love it. Yeah, it, it happened uh, Wednesday when I was here with you. We've got it set up now, Ron. I can already see Ron's eyes rolling right now as we speak. 
But this is the way we have it set up. We get this security system and the uh, smart stuff, smart lock, smart house, all this stuff on the on the house now. So we have people that come and, and clean the house for us. It's amazing. It's one of the things I hate to do, yet I love to have done. Like, I love to walk in to the house and it's fresh and it's clean, but I absolutely hate, I hate doing it. If I don't do it, it's a problem. And we got two dogs, so we've got the dog hair to clean up and all this other stuff. So, so I mean, it's you got to stay after it, right? So on Wednesday, these folks came to our house. These amazing girls came and cleaned while I was here, right? Working, talking with you. And I was able to let them in with my phone and watch them come in, make sure they got in with the camera, you know, that we have set up. We have the ability to do that. Unarm the the alarm system. Let them in. And uh, when they left, lock everything up. And they were on their way. And I came home and the house was fresh. It was clean. It was amazing. I'm telling you, this is... This is where it's at. It's things like that that moving forward that people are, I think, are going to be more and more popular. It's the Uber, the Lyft drivers. You know, we don't really go out and we don't go out like we used to. But when we do, I'll tell you, we we would go out more now than we used to ever would because we didn't want to go downtown and... You know, go to dinner, have a nice dinner, have a few drinks or whatever, because you have to deal with driving back or how are you going to get back home? You're going to take a cab or whatever. I'm telling you, we do. We use the Uber in more cases than we ever would have. We never would have used it before a cab or anything like that. Never would have done that. We just would have stayed home. So these things are making people's lives more convenient. There's less friction in your lives. You're able to get things done. They're making lives better for people. That's the shift in the new economy. That it, you know, it is cheaper. A lot. Well, I'll tell you, an Uber is definitely cheaper than a DUI. I can tell you that much right now. But yeah, no, you're right. It is cheaper. A lot of the stuff is, and even if you pay like a convenience fee. And here's the thing I love about it. Okay, this is the other thing I love about it. Even if you pay a convenience fee, you pay a little bit more for this stuff. There is somebody who, and like a lot of these people that are doing the shipped, they're moms. They're just moms who, at least in our market where we are, who are doing extra side work to bring in extra money while the kids are doing whatever. Maybe they're at an activity. The kids are at dance or soccer, and the mom says, well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a quick shift. I'm going to go to the store, and I'm going to pick up these groceries. I'm going to pick up this job and make a few extra bucks. And I don't remember exactly how much it pays, but they can turn it on and turn it off. They're completely flexible and do it on their own time. Uber's the same way. Same way. I don't have time necessarily for that. Otherwise, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd do Uber in a heartbeat. Lyft, any of that stuff? I would. I don't know about the shopping. I don't necessarily like shopping for myself, so I don't know if I'd want to shop for somebody else. But I could definitely drive people around. That would not. That would be easy. We're, we, all these new opportunities are being created. And again, 2017, the big story is disruption. 
we now have more freedom. And all of this is because of the marketplace. Again, the government isn't involved in any of this. Get the government out of it. Create more opportunities, and the disruption is happening. That's the big story of 2017. We continue, by the way. I want to uh, I want to take a quick break because when we come back, I've got a CPA who is going to run down some of the things that you may or may not want to do before the end of the year here is up as a new tax law goes into effect and uh, being signed on the desk of President Trump here uh, this morning. So what do you need to know? Some great tips coming up right after this. 888-900-3393. That's 1-888-900-3393. Justin Barkley in for Pat Gray today. Unleashed on the blaze. Pat Gray. Unleashed. The Blaze Radio Network. Pat Gray returns. Hey, it's Barkley in for Pat Gray today on the Blaze Unleashed. There are a few things you might want to consider uh, for President Adams. Got the taxes done, signed. It's done. Deal. Heard some of that earlier today. It's done. I don't. I. I don't know. There are maybe a few things that you need to keep in mind. I was going to wait for a formal signing sometime in early January, but then I watched the news this morning and they were all saying, will he keep his promise? Will he sign it by Christmas? You will one, but will he sign it by Christmas? And I called downstairs. I said, get it ready. We have to sign it now. There it comes. Get it ready. So our next guest here, uh, a couple of tips, some things to keep in mind as they have overhauled this whole process. Five things maybe to consider, a few things to consider to, to do, or maybe not do, before the end of the year here. Yeah, because this stuff's always changing. It's always moving. Uh, it's it's kind of hard to keep track of. Lydia DeNoyers joins us to talk a little bit about this. Again, I like to go to people who are much smarter than me because I don't have all the answers about this stuff. She's a CPA. She should be able to tell us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Ron said, wait. Ron said, wait a minute. Do you want to talk to her now? Yeah, yeah. So while he's pulling her up, there are a few things that you might want to know. And we'll get we'll get into that with her when she jumps on the phone. Out in Las Vegas, they're still trying to figure out, by the way, the motive. And they say, the FBI, it may take a while. It may not be until next October that they release this information. Why is that? This is another huge story. This is a story, I think this has got to be higher than what number, what was number three on that list of AP's biggest stories 2017? How do they not know? And why do they need to wait so long? I, I Look, I'm not the conspiracy theorist. Again, I'll lay that out for you, but I am curious. I want to know what's going on. I think also when you have this much time that goes by, and I'm all for being reasonable, and I'm all for 
you know, going through all of the actions, all the hoops that you got to jump through to make sure that we've got the right information. Uh, but I think when you when you have this much time that passes, that's when these kind of conspiracy theories and these these holes are left open for people to go. Well, I don't have questions. I don't. We just as naturally as people, we want to kind of fill those those gaps, those holes in. We want to find out, and we on our own kind of go jump at the conclusions to try and figure out, make sense of the world. So. When we don't, we have a vacuum in this absence, this absence of information, right? That's when you see all the folks jumping into it. They say be prepared to wait a while, by the way, possibly until next October. The chief of the FBI's Las Vegas office revealed earlier this week during an interview in which he said the agency probably wouldn't brief the public until the report is released sometime before the tragedy's first anniversary. Now, why is that? This is this is the nation's biggest non-terrorist, quote unquote, um, incident. If you want to call it right, maybe in the history of the country, and we don't have an answer for the motive. Hmm. Reports from other uh, agencies investigating the mass shooting will be released at different times of the FBI's uh, investigation, focusing a large part on the why, which is what everybody wants to know. That burning question has not been answered, but Rouse said evidence still suggests Paddock was the only person involved in the attack and that he has not been linked with any affiliations or ideologies. They keep kind of leaning on this idea that, uh, you know, he was just a gambler who was in the hole and um, that 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 he had problems and that he could not win the money back. And that, that was an issue. Is that is that enough to. I don't know. I mean. It's really hard to tell. People are so hard to gauge sometimes. So uh, just more uncertainty there, I think, is is clearly leading to people asking more and more questions. According to this, the, um, the FBI has interviewed around 400 people worldwide in connection to this guy. He's brought in the same number of specialists to help document the evidence. Said the uh, Route 91 Harvest Music Festival site took investigators 14 days to come over while his room and hotel hallway at that Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino took 13. Important items found at both sites have been sent to the FBI's central lab in Virginia. And he said we're going to have, I think, the best digital schematic of what happened and where it happened and how it happened that you can come up with. That's where we are. I think a lot of times, too, now in this day and age, we have answers available to us on demand. Digitally, you can Google stuff. Like now, I can have the answer. I carry around a magic machine 
in my pocket 24 hours a day that I can summon the answer to almost nearly any question that I may have. And as a guy who's curious about things, this is fun to have, right? But it's not just me. It's all of us. You know, Henry Ford used to say the thing that he loved is that he had buttons on it. He didn't have to know everything. He didn't have to be an expert. He had buttons on his desk. He could press them and summon people to his office and get answers for these questions or get things problem solved, etc. And that's what he said made him so effective. It's really interesting, right? Well, that's what we have now. We have, we're all Henry Fords. We all have that power. We can all figure that out from those magical machines, the cell phones, the smartphones, the laptop, or whatever it is that we have, an iPad. If you're constantly connected, you can do that. And the fact that we don't have answers at this point, yet if you wanted to Google, what's the capital of Zimbabwe? I have no idea. Capital of Zimbabwe. Let's just ask. Yeah, let me find out. Hey, Siri, what's the capital of Zimbabwe? Okay, I found this on the web. Yeah. Okay, the capital of Zimbabwe is Great Zimbabwe? That can't be the name of the capital. That's not it. Harare? Harare. Well, Harare to you, too. Wasn't that the, the name of the gorilla at the zoo? No, that's Harambe. <laughs> All right. But see, you don't have to know. This is the other thing. We don't have to know anything anymore, do we? We don't We don't have to know anything. Why keep and store any, any information or knowledge in our own brains? Why keep just be empty vessels so that we can just get access to that stuff faster, right? All right, let's go to the experts. We'll talk with our CPA all about the tax cuts, what you need to know, what you need to do, and what you may not want to do before the end of the year. Right after this, Barclay in for Pat today. Pat Gray unleashed. This is The Blaze. Pat Gray, only on The Blaze Radio Network. At uh, Bitcoin down to twelve eight two eight now and seventy seven cents twelve eight two eight and seventy seven cents. It's all over the road. It's up and down. We'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. We'll be following it. Lydia is on with us right now, and uh, Lydia Lydia Denoyers is a CPA. Got a couple of tips for you quickly about what you should and shouldn't do when it comes to uh, taxes and uh, well, maybe the moves that you should make for the end of the year. Lydia, how are you? Welcome in. Um, wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. How are you today? Wonderful. Appreciate you being here. So this tax bill passed. The president uh, signed it today. Uh, before all this goes into effect, before the end of the year, there are a couple of things that maybe we should and shouldn't do. I don't really know. i got to go to you. You're the expert. What are those things? <laughs> Well, you know, I think first and foremost, I would just give people a little bit of background of what's expected to be changed. changed. And so um, we're going to, a few deductions are going to be capped. A few deductions are going to go away altogether. A few deductions are going to remain there. However, 
because there are going to be changes in the standard deduction, people may find themselves benefiting from that more. So even if those deductions, um, excuse me, those itemized deductions remain, they may not be used next year. So with all that in mind, those, that's what's driving people to make certain decisions before the end of the year. So one of those things is property taxes and state and local income taxes um, for those states that have state income taxes. And for those who don't, uh, for those that don't have state income taxes, then they would deduct the sales tax. So whether it's a combination of sales tax and property taxes or state income tax and property taxes, there's going to be a cap of $10,000. So if you expect those to be, if those are generally higher for you, higher than 10000 in the past, then you may want to accelerate some of those, deduct, those deductions, specifically the property taxes. And I say that because there's been some confusion over the past couple of days. I've even had to address certain emails um, today, uh, confusion between the state income tax and state property taxes. State property taxes, we can accelerate those. If you, if you can, um, work with your financial advisors or your CPAs to make sure you can benefit from that, meaning you're not subject to all men, there's no phase outs. So to the extent that you can, you would pay those property taxes by December 31st to maximize that deduction this year. Um, unfortunately, with state income taxes, we can't do that. Congress actually got a win of that, and some people, you cannot do that. So state income taxes, we can't accelerate those. Um, however, if you pay 2017 state income taxes quarterly, that next quarterly payment for 2017 is typically due January, um, in, uh, the first two weeks of January in the following year. So that payment you actually can accelerate. If you pay that in advance, then you can write that off on your 2017 tax return. Um, that's the, the bigger one. The, the, the best donation, the, the best deduction that you, you can take advantage of, whether you are subject to Altman or not, would be charitable contributions. Are you hearing that one a lot? Uh, I've heard a little bit of this. You know, I first have to stop you yeah. a little bit, uh, Lydia, because I, I you're you're into this stuff, and I know you, this is all you do, and and this is you do this best, okay? Lydia Denoyer's founder and owner, Denoyer CPA LLC. You do the tax accounting. You you take care of this. Is like you live, breathe it uh, down in South Miami. I hear this, and I'm hearing wah 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 wah. wah. You know, like <laughs> like the. Uh, you, you know, really like just a, call me a nerd. It's okay. No, no. <laughs> hey, that's a good. You hey, that's a good it. thing these days. That is a good thing yeah. these days. Well, I hear the Charlie Brown thing, so I'm like, okay, what did she say? I understand some of this stuff very important. Um, but charity is. I mean, that's sort of. A, Let me simplify it. Let me simplify yeah. it, if you don't mind, just yeah. for everybody. Yeah. I, this this bill was supposed to make things very simple for many people, but it's become this, it's so complex. So first and foremost, you definitely want to work with your CPA uh, to make sure these things even apply to you. So first and foremost, you you want to be working with somebody before you make these decisions because it's, it's not across the board where I can tell everybody, go ahead and accelerate your property taxes and pay them by December 31st. You know, go ahead and, and, and pay your mortgage interest by December 31st. Um, you know, because you may be subject to phase out. So it's, definitely you want to work with your advisor, but just, just things to ask. So I think that's the, the, the takeaway is just knowing what to ask your advisors or asking, ask your CPA. So mortgage line of equity, most people in the past we've been on the current law were able to, well, actually now that it's, this new one has been signed and that's current law. So as a law for 2017, rather, um, you can deduct your mortgage interest on your primary mortgage and the interest on any line of equity that you've taken on your home. That second one, that line of equity, that interest on there, that's going away. 
mm. altogether. It doesn't fade Should... out. There's no cap that's going. So if you can pay maybe your January payment, make it in December ah. and take that okay. additional interest, then there you go. You know, because so, okay. you can use that next year. That was one of the things I was wondering. Should people make that extra payment? You know, that's uh, generally speaking, it's an idea. It's definitely something to ask an advisor. Again, I'm hesitant to say go ahead and do it because Mm -hmm. everybody's situation is different. If you're subject to alternative minimum tax or, you know, if your itemized deductions are too high and they start to phase out, then making that extra payment may not actually impact your tax return. So again, you just want to work with your advisor. Okay. So I already have clients calling me, and I can tell Martha that, listen, you were subject to Altman last year. If nothing else has changed, chances are you're not going to really benefit from this, so go ahead and just save your money. Um, Lydia, I bet, I bet you're having so. fun working right now over the holidays answering all these calls. Fun. Can you tell? <laughs> I'm having too much fun. Yeah. Uh, so, so what about charity? The same thing? I mean, should people be making these uh, contributions uh, for 2018? You know, should they look at making them before the end of the year? You, yeah, you know, if you've planned on making them in that first quarter, you know, by January, go ahead and try and accelerate those. Um, if you typically itemize, go ahead and accelerate those payments. Now, I would never suggest anybody go out and make a donation um, that they didn't plan on making just for the tax write-off. Because, again, let's just say you're the highest tax rate, 39.6. Let's run that up to 40. Um, you're still out the pocket, 60 cents. Now, if you're going to give out the goodness of your heart, you know, then and you had plan on making that donation anyhow, then go ahead and try and do it by December 31st. Okay. Um, so we talked property taxes. We talked about paying that extra mortgage payment. We talked about charity. What is this fourth thing that I'm looking at that says defer or accelerate income? Okay, so that one, uh, that one again, you want to work with the advisors. The reason why people are suggesting that you defer income, and there's uh, certain ways you can do it. So, for example, if you're expecting a big bonus before December, you may ask your employer if they can hold off and, and pay that bonus in uh, 2018 instead. Reason being is the, the tax rates overall are expected to go very, very low next year. Um, probably the lowest it's going to be in this lifetime um, you know, until 2026 when all these expire anyways. But that, that's one of the reasons why you may want to choose to defer that income. But also keep in mind that we're going to lose some deductions next year as well. So, you know, again, you want to find that happy medium, that happy balance of how much income to accelerate or maybe how much income to, uh, excuse me, how much income to defer or income to accelerate because we're going to, you know, try and take advantage of all these deductions that we currently have under the current law. So, again, those are the things you may want to consider. If you're self-employed, again, you may want to build customers next year and come January instead of um, building them this year. So that's that fourth item. Did that answer your question? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now I understand what you're saying. So so what are the deductions – it says use expiring deductions. What are some of these deductions that are that are that are expiring that people might want to look at? Okay, so so for example, like as we mentioned, the mortgage interest, the, the interest on the line of equity, that, that's going away. Um, unreimbursed business expenses. Uh, a lot of people don't really take that because it has to be over two percent of your income. Um, so some people don't really meet that threshold, uh, especially if you are an employee. Um, so that's one of those that's going away. Um, and then, like, as I mentioned, the, the property taxes, state income tax, and sales tax, that, the combination of the two, depending on, again, whether you are in a, a state that bears income tax or doesn't, 
that's going to be capped at 10,000. So even if you, your mortgage payments are 14,000, the max you can take is 10,000. So those are the kind of things that you want to look out for. And if, if you, to the extent that you have them, try to accelerate them for this year. This is, you can take advantage of them. You know, they had talked, Lydia, at one point about making this stuff so easy that you would be able to file your taxes <laughs> with a, a postcard. postcard. Now, unfortunately, <laughs> that would that would probably put folks like you out of business. Uh, it, it would put a or a big chunk in your business. Uh, this really hasn't changed much things for you at all, has it? Let me tell you, that is that is the funniest observation because yes, when they were they were talking about this, I was like, oh gosh, I might have to find another line of work. You know, <laughs> <laughs> what what am I going to do? And now the more I read this, I'm like, wow, I have such job security right now. <laughs> this is, you know, so much for narrowing it down to four tax brackets. It's, uh, no, we still have seven tax brackets. And, you know, so much for um, just simplifying the code. It's just not happening. In fact, they're adding stuff to it, for example, um, for pass-through income. That's an extra calculation that I have to do now. You know, so I definitely had job security, um, myself and financial advisors. So, yeah, I, we've, we've definitely been duped by thinking it was going to be sim- simpler, but uh the more I read into it, the more complex it seems. Well, Lydia, thank you so much for giving us a heads up on this. Wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays and a very prosperous New Year. <laughs> it sounds like it will Likewise. be for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I joke around and say, you know, yeah, we're losing some deductions. But I'm also losing my sanity. So <laughs> we'll see how that works out during tax season. <laughs> hey, hey, good luck. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Happy holidays. Bye. Lydia Denoyer, she is a CPA, and uh, her company, Denoyer CPA, limited liability company, DESCPA.com, shedding some light on some of this stuff. So, you know, bottom line, I think taxes, I'm still happy about this tax plan. Uh, It's probably a little confusing for a lot of folks in some ways. But the majority of people, I think, are really going to come out on top of this. They always talk about, by the way, how the rich, the rich people, you know, the rich people, richer, boy, they, they, I mean, they're just going to keep getting richer and these plans are great. Listen to all that talk about this deduction and that thing and this other thing, you know, you got to, you have to have a CPA to do the taxes. I mean, I know they could, you know, you, you're, you're extremely wealthy. You can afford that. It's, it's cost of doing business, I guess. But man, if if that's why I can't give this whole thing, you know, like a an A plus this past year, we were talking about grades yesterday. Uh, you know, I really still want to see something really simplified. I think the process and how complicated it is. I, I this is me. I I think it 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 hurts us in the long run. I like to see it more simple. You know, so simple folk like me can understand it. Quick break. We're back in minutes. Coming up, I can't wait to talk to. Uh, we have another guest that's going to join us around two o'clock or so. Well, I guess that's the third hour. I got to be careful about my because I'm on Eastern time. I don't know where you are, but you can let me know. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three is the number, or you can hit me on the email Justin at justinbarclay dot com. I'm on the Twitters too, and I need to check. I forgot. I need to do that right now. I'll be tweeting at Mister Justin Barclay on Twitter. Trump now, it seems like he's walking off the airplane down in Florida. The particular president uh, will stop. Arriving in Florida there after signing that bill there. He's going to go to Mar-a-Lago. There were quite a few people actually on the tarmac. Down in West Palm Beach. 
down then as he goes coming home. down um so we're not sure who has gathered there in total They're looking good and uh and i guess ready for a little vacation now will now will he's clapping got the hands clapping i guess he's happy to see folks there will he actually take a vacation will this guy actually <laughs> will he actually turn it off or or does the uh the feeding frenzy in the news continue well, that remains to be seen. We'll talk about that. Coming up in minutes, too, it's uh, Barkley on The Blaze and for Pat Gray Unleashed. You're listening to Pat Gray Unleashed. Follow Pat on Twitter at Pat Unleashed and send him your thoughts using the hashtag TellPat. The Blaze Radio Network. to Pat Gray on the Blaze Radio Network. one 888 that the number. You can join us, 888-933-93, Bitcoin back after 13,000 now. 13102. The president is signing autographs at Mar-a-Lago. Or they, he's in West Palm Beach. He landed there. I guess he's on his way to mar He's signing autographs now. He signed the bill earlier today. Now he's signing autographs. This guy's kind of like a rock star anywhere he goes. I'm not trying to be too, you know, overly excited here, but I'm just saying, man. Kind of interesting. All right, uh, let me check the Twitter, at Mr. Justin Barkley on Twitter, matter of fact, if you want to uh, want to jump in and say hi. Doc, by the way, said uh, we were talking about uh, fast food places, McDonald's. I think Wendy's is doing the kiosk now. Doc says he went to a, a McDonald's in San Jose, California last week in a predominantly Asian neighborhood based on the customers, he said. The manager greeted my wife and I, directed us to the kiosk and said, it's easy, and it's even in your language. Kind of racist, but easy. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate that. So you did use the kiosk, and it was easy. To, so how many people, and this is California, right? So high, you know, high minimum wage. How many people are out of jobs now and will be because of the kiosks? You know, they don't even, they almost don't even need the kiosk. And here's, here's the crazy thing that I, I did try this the other day and it works well. McDonald's has an app now. And there are a lot of, there are a lot of companies that are doing this. By the way, Chick fil A has one that's awesome. We've got the five guys. I don't know if you've got the five guys or not. I use the Chipotle app. Oh, the five guys is good. I don't know if the five guys is as good as the in and out though. You think it in and out sucks as you're from California, Ron? It says it sucks. Yeah, because it's because you're you were you're from there, so you've had it forever. Yeah, people that never get to have it, but once every blue moon, that's kind of Chick Fil A syndrome for us. Let me explain why. 
I'm in Michigan. They and they never had Chick Fil A here. Now I grew up, but there's there was a Chick Fil A in our mall, and I, so you could go. I get the Chick Fil A. I love Chick Fil A. But when I got older, you, I, I moved away, and I didn't I didn't ever get to have it. So every time I went home, I would go get Chick Fil A, and I took my wife, and she, the first time she had it, she was just blown away. And I still love Chick Fil A. Don't get me wrong, but when they when they came here to Michigan. And it's specifically in our, in our, uh, in our town, in our city. So they, they came, there was like a it, lines for days. You couldn't get into the thing. They had to have like cops directing traffic and stuff. And there is something to be said for that whole phenomenon of something being so far, you, you can't have it or you can't get to it or it's scarcity or whatever, right? There's, just, there's something to be said for that. So the fact that you, Ron, Grew up with the in and out, you know. Yeah, this this is not even with the secret menu does not move the needle for you. Is that correct? Yeah, I I've never noticed that there are five people and five guys working. So maybe that's maybe that's a thing. Maybe like they always have to have five people staffed. Boy, that's interesting. I never thought about that. I do like the five guys though. Uh, the fries. There's something about the fries, man. And they do shakes. They do all that stuff. Okay, what about, uh, there's a place I've never had called Shake Shack. Now we're going to get into stupid fast food talk, people. This is where we're getting, this is, this is holiday syndrome. We are there. We have, everybody's ready to just be wrapped up and gone for Christmas. Is there, is there a, what's your favorite fast food? What's a place that makes it special? Like maybe where you are or someplace you visited? If I could have any, I, I, man, that five guys is, Definitely on top of my list. Chick-fil-A, I'm really a fan of that, too. In and out I enjoy it. We went to Vegas one night uh, while we were there and stayed there when my wife and I went our first time out there with her. And we were going to go on this big date, this whole thing. We were going to go see a show or do something. I guess, no, 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 you know what? Screw that. I took her over to Five Guys. <laughs> right off the strip. She never had it. She loved it. But, it again, it was special because, you know, it you never had it. And I think they recognize that. Five guys, I think they are not five guys, but uh, uh, in and out is what I meant, not five guys. I took her over to the in and out. And so I think that they recognize that because it's only in a, in a it's out west, right? And they're not, come out, they're not coming this way. If they did, then all their business would collapse out west from all the people that are coming to, to visit and vacation, you know. I just, I, I feel like that's the way it is, but... What I was asking about or what I was talking about with these apps is I now you can order, you know, I did this maybe a month or two back. I pulled up to a McDonald's. The drive-thru was absolutely ridiculous. So I said, I'm not waiting in this drive-thru. I pulled up their app. I ordered it online. I pulled up into one of their parking spaces that's for this, del- deliberately for this app. I had my food faster than anybody else. Now I'm not a big I don't I don't do the McDonald's very often. I it's there's something about after I eat it that my my body goes, "What did you do that for?" I used to be this I maybe this is me getting old. Used to have the iron gut though. Like I I would be able to go to a Taco Bell all day no problem. My body goes, "What are you doing? What is wrong with you?" I don't know why. You just start, I think when you get older, your body just starts rejecting stuff. No, no, we're not doing this anymore. Nope. There, there, We're done. Same way with having a few drinks. I can't. 
I, I mean, I used to be out and and go out and oh no, eh, no, not not anymore, man. I one drink, I'm tired. All right, time for a nap. Yeah, I'm old. I am old. And the other thing is too is if I have too much, God forbid that happens. But if I do have too much, the next day done, done. Oh, it's like a Mac. I got hit by a Mac truck. You know, the, the the things that you used to do when you were younger, you know? And we take all that stuff for granted. We never realize that, yeah, this stuff is going to end. Youth is so fleeting. We never really realize it, do we? All right, anyway, I'd love to hear from you. At Mr. Justin Barkley on Twitter, you can call in 888-900-3393. I want to know what uh, what is the the fast food restaurant that, hands down, best one you've ever had, you've ever eaten at, or best one that's by you, and I like if I was coming to town, you'd take me there. I'd love to know, because there are some good ones out there. There are some. Uh, I haven't. Uh, you know, listen, I'm a bit of a connoisseur of the fast food, but uh, there are definitely some places I haven't been. Triple A nine hundred thirty three ninety three, and we come back. Also, I've got a buddy that's going to join us. This guy climbed a mountain, several actually, went on a hunt for Noah's Ark. But what he found, and there's a whole documentary about this called Finding Noah, what he found while he was on that search for Noah's Ark, didn't find the Ark, what he found was even more valuable, absolutely priceless. And we'll have that conversation with my good buddy Kevin coming up here in uh, in just moments on The Blaze. Barclay in for Pat Gray today. This is Pat Gray Unleashed. Looking forward to that. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Pat Gray is here. On the Blaze Radio Network. All right, we are live. Welcome back in. Uh, Kev, go, try that microphone over there. Let's see what you, hey, Ron, could you hear Kevin a second ago? Hello, hello, hello. There he is. So the guy, the guy uh, is climbing mountains, and he is on the hunt. He is on the search for Noah's Ark. But what he finds is something even more valuable. Kevin is one of these guys who, uh, got to tell you, got an interesting story. He's in studio with me right now. I asked him to come in because I thought, Kev, you got an interesting story. I want to I want to dig into it. It's it's the holidays. It's the right time to do this. Kevin DeVries, graceexplorations.org. Thanks for being here with us, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're uh, you're an interesting dude. Um. I'm a little different. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's a good thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm special. <laughs> no, yeah. Cause not everybody wants to go like climb mountains and, uh, do all these like, uh, you know, ridiculous, dangerous things. But you, on the other hand, you kind of have like this addiction. It's almost like an adrenaline thing, you know? You, 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 you're, you're kind of searching. It seems like you're kind of, you were searching for something. Yeah. 
Yeah, a little bit of adrenaline junkie there and just uh, attention deficit disorder. All those things kind of combine into a perfect storm. But I do get bored easily, so I'm always looking for creative things to do, to be a part of, to invest in, to... Um, yeah, I, I just I like to just kind of push that envelope and just see how far we can go with that. So let's talk about where, like, how you got started with where where you ended up. There was an expedition. Yeah, so um, it's kind of a long, complicated story, but I'll condense it. So uh, I was the lead mountaineer for a group of scientists that were looking for Noah's Ark on top of Mount Ararat uh, every summer from 2009 to 2013, and in the final year that we were there in 2013. Uh, a group of uh, Hollywood uh, producers got together and a film director and a film crew, and they said, hey, wow, there, there might be a story here. I mean, if there's a discovery, that would be incredible. But there's a story here of why these guys are looking for what they're looking, because I think they understood, as good storytellers do, that this is a meta narrative. It's a big story. Uh, it's one of those archetypes that even if you don't believe in the biblical uh narrative of the flood story it's still a big story it's in 500 different uh indigenous people the groups flood. yeah so the yeah. story is everywhere um and everybody's got a different theory on it i happen to follow the biblical narrative on it but um so they recognize wow this is a big story and these are men that are involving themselves in a big story it's shared by all of the three world's largest religions so islam and judaism and christianity all share the same story hmm this might be an interesting story to tell yeah um, and there seems to be some anomalies on top of the mountain that they're trying to scientifically conclude whether or not they are connected to a uh, biblical arc, the arc of history. And as time progressed, I found, I can't speak for all the guys on the trip, but when 2013-year-old rolled around, which was actually probably the last good year in the mountain, I mean, it's been shut down, uh, ISIS came into view and became very prominent in the area, we happened to have a ceasefire, uh, not a truce, but a ceasefire between the PKK that year in 2013 and the Turkish government and the PKK is essentially a U.S. State Department recognized terrorist group and they are a militarized Kurdish group that's trying to get back their country they lost after World War I through violent means. Um, and so there's been tens of thousands of people that have died in that conflict since the 80s. And so the mountain was really calm that year, but they were just trying to figure out, you know, what's the story to tell here? And when discovery perhaps didn't appear as imminent, um, it became less and less about the boat, perhaps, and it became more and more about the brotherhood. Hmm. Uh, one of the co-producers on the film was actually in the film as an actor with Black Hawk Down with Ridley Scott, and he recognized pretty quickly on that the real story here is about why men are are trying to keep each other alive and why they're on this mission and what's in their heart and what, what needs to be told inside this brotherhood, this band of brothers, if you will. And it's less about the actual battle per se, uh, because that particular story was almost a battle of Little Bighorn. I mean, it could have been a complete annihilation that any one of our guys got out of that place alive in Mogadishu, Somalia was a miracle. So he watched how Ridley Scott took a really terrible story, really. It was, it's not a good story. Yeah. I mean, guys survived, but it's just, it was a virtual ambush. Um, these guys took that same ingredients and put it into Finding Noah, which uh, went into theaters nationwide in 2015. And then since then, I've been doing a lot of speaking and creating a, a community of men here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, that you're a part of, and a number of other fine gentlemen uh, have embraced as kind of becoming their, their band, if you will. I'm looking at you know finding Noah here, uh, and I have seen the film. It is a it's a great it's a documentary. If you want to uh, watch that, you can you can go to the website findingnoah.com. We'll we'll put links up for the stuff. But you know, uh, Kev, when I when I'm thinking about this, and I've seen the film, so I I kind of get uh, 
the story that you're that you're telling here and and you're you're continuing that with what you're doing here now but i want to get into like finding noah i want to get into the search for this this arc i mean do you believe that it's still up there i mean i what do you what do you believe now yeah well you've been up there uh, everybody asks me well, what'd you find i says well we know where it's not <laughs> yeah. so it's kind of like yeah. einstein you know not gotta einstein, start somewhere thomas edison you know he had a thousand tries to find the light bulb it wasn't so much that he failed a thousand times he just found a thousand ways that the light bulb was yeah. not going to work yeah so it was a process of elimination we know it's not on the eastern plateau which is really unfortunate because why did they think it was there was it um, satellite yeah imagery? there was some there was some remote sensory intel that was indicating that there was some type of an anomaly underneath the ice cap. What that is couldn't be proven unless you actually put boots in the ground and, and dragged ground-penetrating radar over the ground. And so we did that over the course of a couple of summers. We, I mean, my gosh, we had hundreds of surveys over that area. Yeah. We did a ton. We had hundreds of, of holes that were dug, uh, core samples wow. and drilling and uh you know down to 60 to 70 feet which is pretty tricky I remember watching that drilling through the ice it's pretty tricky i mean you got to do it yeah. in you know uh one meter increments so three feet you add another uh, auger another yeah. auger another auger and so it's pretty tricky because you can't let it settle because it's you're basically drilling through ice so it's heating up it's creating friction but there's water in there the minute that friction stops or you're not moving that auger um it freezes and then you're, you're lost then you got to pull the last auger out and drill another hole because you can't get your augers out unless you excavate. And we did excavate two holes, uh, which is rather Herculean, um, in 2011, 2012. They were eight by eight holes that went down to a depth of 35. I think one of them was even approaching 40 feet down, which really? is just, I can't even tell you, describe how difficult it is because you're at almost 17,000 feet. So you're approaching the height of Everest's base camp. When you get an Everest base camp, you don't do anything there. You just let your, you know, your, oxygen build up in your bloodstream you're watching movies and eating popcorn and you know surfing the internet there in nepal because you're going to climb up to the cruising altitude of a 747 just below or above 29,000 feet so we're in an area where there's 60 percent less oxygen and you're down in a hole you're using chainsaws because you're cutting glacial ice like blocks of of cement really and uh, hauling it up through a pulley system we had a swing set system and we had a, a six thousand dollar tent that was floorless so we were able to excavate and also keep our hole covered in 24 7 conditions wow. which were always extreme uh hurricane force winds and the geopolitical climate there left a lot to be desired as well and <laughs> the electrical activity was probably the worst i've seen on any mountain i've climbed all over the world i've never seen anything like you mean lightning is that what you're yeah i mean just uh electrical storms so uh, a lot of times when you see and it's actually in the film you've watched it but it's a real brief five second maybe seven second clip where there's a lenticular cloud i call it a toilet bowl looks like someone's flushing a toilet and there's just a cloud that is funneling over a mountain and everything below fourteen and a half thousand feet which was our last uh, kickoff point before we would reach the summit and then up and over the summit over a, a ridge line and up a uh, a Syrac or a cornice and then uh, onto the actual eastern plateau proper where the excavation was occurring but everything was fine below fourteen and a half thousand feet but everything above was just you know terrible and wow. I don't know if you remember that it's really quick in the film but it's mm -hmm. thunder and lightning it looks like a scene out of you know the Ten Commandments or something it's yeah. just crazy it's biblical actually. So that was always frightening. So we're going down there, and we're all trying to discover the same thing. What are these anomalies that the remote sensory is indicating? Uh, the guy that's giving us this intel has got some access to some military-grade stuff. And so 
he's an atheist, so he doesn't believe in the story, but he says that he's using very inflammatory language. You know, it looks like a ship landed from the sky and landed on top of a mountain. I don't know why, why it's there. It's broken up into three pieces. They're connected by a spectral trail of debris. And so that was the first hint. And then we dragged ground-penetrating radar over uh, the same area that he was looking at from the satellites, which is remote sensory uh, intel uh, that we were getting it from. And lo and behold, we're seeing an anomaly in the rough shape of the biblical dimensions of the ark, you know, the 55 by 75 feet. Uh, the length was always, uh, we were not concerned about finding something intact, you know, at the 500 plus foot mark, uh, because we felt like based on eyewitness accounts and the remote sensory intel that we were getting that we were not uh, believing that this structure, whatever it was, or anomaly was not going to be intact in its length form. It might be similar in its width and height form, although with compression and age and glaciers um, that were somewhat dynamic there in the eastern plateau. It's a caldera, so it's not totally dynamic, but it's uh, dynamic enough that the ice in that caldera or that blown-out volcano cone, if you will, was slowly moving towards the Ahura Gorge, which is actually deeper than the Grand Canyon. It's like a 6,300-foot drop. Really? I think the Grand Canyon is about a mile and a half, 5,500 feet or so. Wow. So. You know, pretty dramatic landscape, but um, that's why we were there. We had, you know, technical eyewitness, not human, although we did have some human eyewitness accounts too, which I think are always a bit dubious, uh, even though they pass lie detector tests and will tell you they've seen These are guys that have told stories through (laughs) the years and the families have told stories. I was up there and I saw this or Grandpa saw that. Yeah, I shot a musket ball at it and it bounced off and I tried to take a piece, you know, with a knife and it, you know, broke the blade. And so you have a preponderance of sightings there. Uh, Interestingly enough, a lot of them were accelerated at the advent of aviation, especially during World War II because the Allies had a a main base there at Yerevan, Armenia, which is at the foot of Mount Ararat. So Hmm. they're constantly flying over the mountain. And during the summer months, you know, you'll experience quite a bit of meltback and I don't know if it's a cosmic joke or what it is, but there are a number of rock-like formations on that mountain. Not one, but a number of them that if you looked at it, and especially if you're a bit hypoxic, 60% less oxygen at you know 16,700 right. feet, it looks like the hull of a ship protruding from a mountainside. Really? It's crazy. I've got pictures that... Are just like if you if I gave them to you and gave you you know fifteen seconds to look at mm-hmm. you would say yeah that's the hull of a ship. Is there anything about this mountain like biblically biblically that that points to maybe that's where the ark would have? Well, come in, in to... the book of Genesis, it doesn't say Mount Ararat. It uses the plural form, the mountains of Ararat. So it's actually more of a region. Oh, and so we know we're in the right region, um, and we just you know, deducted logically that, okay, if the ark rested and, and no other mountaintops could be seen in the distance, then it would seem logical that in Mesopotamia, that ancient realm that uh, Noah and and the early civilizations lived, that that is the tallest peak in that region. I've climbed Elbrus, Mount Elbrus, which is just right on the border of uh, Russia and Georgia. It's technically the tallest peak in, in uh, Europe, but that's quite a distance away. Um, and so we felt that, um, and what's interesting, it's, it's unfortunate, but a lot of the writers of antiquities like Josephus and some of his colleagues or his contemporaries all treated this whole issue of, and, and these are just Jewish historians. Uh, these aren't, you know, biblical canonized writers, if you will. They're, they're treating the whole situation with the ark as, oh, it's not a big deal. Yeah, pilgrims go up this mountain, they carve off pieces of the ark. And it wards off evil spirits, and they wear it as a talisman or a, 
you know, some piece of jewelry. And so they treat it as it's not really that big of a deal. That's what they do. But the language that they use and the geographic terms that they use are not uh, known today. So they're using words that and, and geographical terminology that's not familiar to us today. So that's where, you know, this whole intrigue gets a little bit deeper. So I would like to think it's in the Ahura Gorge. Uh, the problem is it's not accessible. Yeah, you could probably pop a couple drones up there and have some guy in Langley, Virginia, in a trailer with a joystick operate them. Problem is they're going to have to put up a whole armada because they'll get shot down. So you almost have to do a war of attrition. Just float a bunch of those buggers up there and see what you see. <laughs> the problem is you're going to see rock. Or you might see the ark, but it's you can't prove anything unless you get boots on the ground, unless you get samples of yeah. wood you know that would date ideally in that four to five thousand you know year range so i think that's the future the problem is it's a demilitarized zone so yeah. you have the pkk that's very active in that part of the world a lot of tension right now turkey is becoming less of a military ruled regime and it's becoming more uh, a state of islam and so you know, religion is, is popping up its head again, and so that tension is building up. Yeah. Um, and that whole part of the world is kind of inflamed. So we couldn't get back to the mountain, you know, if we wanted to at this point. Some of our key partners are no longer with us. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. Um, so we'd have to almost in some ways start from scratch. What is it about this? Um, there's a show on TV right now called... Um, the like the legend of Oak Island or something like that. They're searching for. Have you seen this show? No, like Roanoke maybe, where, no, where the Lost no. Colony went. Or? No, it's it's a uh, it's like up in uh, Canada, huh? Oak Island, and they're two brothers from Michigan, huh? And they're searching for treasure up there. Interesting. Uh, and it's been out maybe five six seasons now. It's really good, and they find little things here and there, little tidbits. Uh, they're they're looking for. Um, a Knights Templar treasure or something that, that, that the story got. Boy, you, you dig into that. You're going to love that, Kevin. But um, it's a treasure hunt. It's it's a hunt for answers. It's a hunt for uh, gold or treasure, whatever it might be. What is it about? We were just talking about this earlier where people, we wish we had answers for things and we don't have when we don't have them. We have this gap. Nowadays, we get these magic machines we carry around in our pockets, and we get the answer to anything, right. anything on these. The God when, of Google. When we when we come back, I want to take a quick break here, but I want to talk about that. Like, what are we searching for? Because I think there's something more going on I there. agree. Kevin DeVries joins us right now, and we're talking this guy has uh, climbed mountains. He's uh, been on expeditions to, uh, to uh, locate and find Noah's Ark. He's in that documentary, Finding Noah. He's a good friend of mine, and we'll continue our conversation and our adventure right after this. In for Pat Gray today on The Blaze, it's Barkley. Pat Gray on The Blaze Radio Network. Yeah, Justin Barkley for Pat Gray today on The Blaze. My guest, Kevin DeVries, joins me in the film Finding Noah, FindingNoah.com. He's got a great uh, he's got a great website, too, GraceExplorations.com, 
or dot org is it com com it yep. is okay got that right uh kevin is a really interesting guy and i've had the privilege of getting to know this guy over the last uh a year or so i guess kevin and um you're a dude who uh to unpack your entire story and i we're gonna go there we're gonna get there eventually is uh it's kind of fun because you've been through a lot how does kevin get to this place is is uh boy that's an interesting story we're talking about that adventure that journey that you're on and as we were just talking about, you know, they just talked about today, they just released the FBI does not expect to have an answer to the motive of that Las Vegas massacre that took place with that guy in the hotel room that uh, they took out all those people there in Las Vegas. They, they don't expect to even have a motive for this mm. and answers until, oh, about a year after it happened. So in October. So conspiracy theories pop up and i'm i'm just a curious guy why don't we know i'd like to know that kind of sends off some alarm bells that we don't have answers right away we want to know these things right and i just talked about being able to google stuff and get answers right away or ask siri and now alexa or whatever you know right. um we're always looking for things and i think answers for a lot of these things we we're just talking about that other show that i was watching and this legend of oak island what is it about that unknown or that search that we're on? What are we looking for? As a guy who you're constantly on that journey and the, the adventure continues for you. What is it? What is it that you think we as men? Yeah. Um, well, I, I, there's a lot of layers to that question, but I, something pops in my mind just now. And I don't think you and I have talked about this before, although we've talked about a lot of stuff. There was a gal uh, one year, somewhere in the middle of our expeditions. It might've been 2011. So we started, at least I started on the mountain every summer in 2009. And then it culminated with the film finding Noah on in 2013. But there was a gal from Russia there and we were just chatting with her about what we were doing. We we're looking for Noah's Ark, you know, and you have to get past the chuckle tests on that. You know, you're looking for the Easter bunny, Sasquatch, you know, <laughs> Like Champlain monster, although she wouldn't be able to connect with all that. People are looking for those. They're stuff, looking though. for stuff. So, they are, you know, are, and yeah. it doesn't matter if you find it. It always makes a good documentary. So they're just curious about, you know, the search and everything. But she said something that stuck with me and it just pops in my mind all these years later. She said, uh, I hope you don't find it. And I was curious. I was like, well, why not? And she <laughs> says, well, um, there needs to be mystery left in the world. Yeah. That's the divine romance. That's the thing that makes the human heart tick. And I thought, you know what? That's something I'm never going to forget because I've never had someone say it exactly that way. I hope you don't find this because I want there to still be mystery. What is it about, and science, with some of these things that can prove or disprove, or but science, what if we get to that point where science, we can prove God? Yeah, while well, they're getting I mean, close we're getting to close. Is there faith? <laughs> is there, I mean, if we get to that point, is there faith anymore? Um, probably not. I mean, I'm getting more comfortable with the word trust over time. I mean, faith is a great word, and it's certainly a, a big thing. We have to have faith. You know, a lot of people have faith in themselves or faith in somebody else. Uh, you know, preferably it should be faith in someone that's outside yourself or in another dimension, uh, mm -hmm. higher power. I'd like to think of that person as God. But um, I think to answer your question on the quest part is, we have to be comfortable with mystery, and there are some things that will not be answered. Mm -hmm. um, I have a lot of friends that have a lot of big questions that are not being answered. And Is so that they, maybe the answer, that sometimes there's just no answers? I th well, I think it, it's actually on purpose. I think uh -huh. the whole way it should play out is, is I think that sometimes life presents you with a series of questions, and you're not going to get those answers, and I think it's mm -hmm. for a reason. And I think it's because, and again, I come from a 
um, you know, a Christian perspective. But I think that in in those type of situations, whether it's the ark, how come we can't find it? We looked really hard for five years. We think it's still here. Where is it? You know, we spend a lot of time, money, energy, blood, sweat, and tears in the mountain. I think God just cloaks that thing in mystery, and I think uh, he does that because it actually, or it should, lead us to him. And so what God does, mm-hmm. I think, in those type of situations, without getting hyper-spiritual, I think he, uh, he basically gives us the answer of himself. So we have two choices when we suffer or when we have a quest that is not going the way we decide, whether it's a relationship or money or health or getting along with the kids or how in the world do we get through these holiday, you know, this holiday madness. I think we have two choices. We can either get answers to our questions and sometimes you'll get them. But more often than not, uh, we don't have the bandwidth to even comprehend the answers because our questions are actually bad in the beginning. Uh, We're asking all the wrong questions. And I think that what God does is just says, look, I'm not going to answer those questions, but I'll give you myself. I'll give you myself as the answer. And then I think when he really does that, when I think our mortality clashes with the divine, I think in that thin margin, in that gray margin, is where peace comes. Hmm. That elusive thing that we all look for over the holidays and we sing about, oh, silent night, you know, peace on earth, goodwill to men. I mean, my, my goodness, we're, we're all starving for this place called home. We're looking for this manger. We're looking for this star. We're looking for a rebirth. We're looking for a personal resurrection. We're looking for a homecoming. I mean, there's all these words that apply, but I think um, those answers, those questions, those nagging quests that never seem to get wrapped up nice and neat like a nice little Christmas gift, I think that's the star. I think that's the breadcrumbs. I think that's the, the writing in the sand, uh, the trail, if you will, that leads us to the place where the answer is. Hmm. But if you didn't have these unanswered questions, you wouldn't be on a quest. So there's a saying, it's a Proverbs, and it goes something like this, that the glory of man is the search and the glory of God is the secret. And so there's something that happens on a quest. And I think that the uh, Arthurian or the King Arthur mythology really represents this well. They're all going on a quest, but when they leave to go on the quest, they all go out different doors. Each night has a, they don't do it together. So each night has a special calling, a special path to find this grail, which is, you know, the chalice or the last cup that Jesus drank from at the Last Supper in, in, in its mythology. And I think we're all looking for that. We're looking for this, this chalice, this holy grail, this sense of peace, this sense of homecoming, this sense of completeness. And uh, I think that one of the ways that we find it is we have to go on a quest. It's got to be a secret somewhere. There has to be a mystery. There has to be a what if. So if it's not there, you're never going to get out the door. You're never going to be Frodo Baggins or Bilbo Baggins. You're never going to leave the Shire. You're never going to step into that river that Tolkien talked about that springs from every doorstep that finds its way to some, you know, holy mountain and, and this greater quest of yourself. Kevin DeVries joins us right now. We'll continue this conversation. Hang in there with us. We're on an adventure together here. In for Pat Gray today, Unleashed. This is Barkley on The Blaze. Pat Gray, The Blaze Radio Network. Gray is here on the Blaze Radio Network. Uh, we're on our own little uh, expedition here, our own little adventure into uh, into the heart 
uh, of men. And, of course, uh, Kevin DeVries is in studio and talking a little bit about uh, your heart, Kevin. I want to talk about this mystery that we were we were kind of talking about the mystery and why why there is mystery, what the secrets are, and, and why those mysteries or secrets keep us searching as men or as people. And one of the things I, I, I'm just reminded by as you tell the story is uh, the guy that created Lost, J.J. Abrams. Mm-hmm. That show, amongst some of the other things he's produced, have really gone down as just these masterpieces. Yeah. Know, these works. People were just so into Lost, you know. What was it about it? And as he's kind of talked about what 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 inspired him to create this is that he got a gift as a kid. And it was this thing called this mystery box. Hmm. And, you know, to tell the story fully, I just kind of, um, I'll just condense it and make it kind of a long story short. But you could buy this box from like a magic store. You didn't know it was inside of it. Just a few bucks, and everybody would get a different box, and different things would be in this in their box. But the box he never opened. It was almost better not knowing what was in the box, and this box is kind of what really inspired him and inspired his his creativity in these productions. So when he would do write things into Lost or into the story, he would put these mystery boxes in there, and you. May remember, I don't know if you saw Lost or not, but some of the episodes, yeah. Remember the hatch and what's in the hatch and why are they on this island? And the whole thing was a mystery box, right? And that's why it was so compelling, and that's why it just completely drew people in. That mystery, that mystery is what did it. And I'm, I'm just, I'm reminded by that thinking about whatever it is that we're searching for that we don't have the answers to. Maybe that, as you said, is the fuel that that pulls us towards where we're supposed to be going on the journey. Yeah. So there was a couple of divers um, that were uh, the Holy Grail of the Great Lakes is the Griffin, which I think was either Marquette's or LaSalle, uh, LaSalle's uh, boat, one of the early Jesuits, 16th, 17th century guys. So it, if they find it, it's like the oldest wooden boat that they could find perhaps on the Great Lakes. Wow. And I was reading about the article, and I don't know if what they found was actually the Griffin, but it is, it's the Titanic of the Great Lakes. I mean, everybody's searching for it, and they kind of know where it is, almost like Franklin's boats uh, you know, up in Canada that never made it across the Northwest Passage, which they found both of his boats uh, here, ships rather. Boat is what you get into when the ship sinks. I have to be careful here. Um, <laughs> they found them you know, in the last couple of years. But he said something that stuck with me, almost like the Russian gal that we had alluded to before when I was uh, in Turkey. He said... Uh, you know, all the great discoveries are not made uh, while you're searching for something. Actually, he said it this way. All the great discoveries are made while you're searching for something else. Mm-hmm. And so in the search for this other boat, ship, they were finding other things. And so I thought, you know what? I, there's something to that. And so I've mm-hmm. developed that into a lot of the talks that I give, that the great discoveries or the greatest discovery that we make in life is when we're searching for something else. So be real careful and be very observant and and be living in the present enough where you can have some type of peripheral vision. You're not becoming myopic to the extent that you are so singularly obsessed with this one thing because it may be that on your quest for that one thing, you're actually supposed to find what you're looking for. I think the Rolling Stones even had a song to that effect. You know, you don't get what you want. You can't always get get everything that you need. And so... I think there's something to be said for that. And so 
it took me several summers on Mount Ararat to figure out that um, maybe this is not about the boat of history. Maybe it's about finding the arc of my story. Maybe it's less about the arc of history and it's more about the arc of my story or my narrative arc. And so for me, um, it took a while to figure that out. And I'm, I'm a real big symbolism type guy. A lot of guys' brains work that way. We think like a movie set. We think like a screenplay. And so we're always putting pictures or things in our head when we're hearing stories or reading a book or just doing life. And so um, for me, it, it became very obvious in the last year that I was on the mountain that uh, that I was supposed to find my story. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to get back to where my story originated. I was supposed to go back into some of the layers of trauma that I experienced and peel those suckers back and almost excavate those areas in my life that I just soon leave numb, under the ice, frozen, detached, leprous almost, where it's shameful. You don't want to embrace that or even recognize that because you'd rather that those chapters in your life are just soon forgotten. Yeah, there's so, a lot of stuff you don't want to dig up. Yeah, every layer of ice that we dug, every foot that we climbed the mountain, I was actually getting closer and closer to who I once was. What's, what brought you there? Because this is, I think, knowing your story, knowing the, the, this piece of, of, of your history, let's go all the way back to maybe your worst day. Yeah, you know, that was, um, so just to compact another story within this story, um, I was actually preaching at a church and watched my marriage explode in front of me while I was preaching on the text of Genesis chapter six, which is the account of the flood. And I watched how something happened in the church between my wife at that time and another individual that essentially cemented what people were telling me was happening and I didn't want to believe it. And so it became true to me and it became visually true to me while I was preaching in a church. And so you're talking about the flood happening. Yeah. And I'm my, my heart's cracking open open just like the waters came from the deep in in Genesis 6. I'm watching my whole life explode in front of me. Um, And that was a difficult day because my day was never the same from that day. And everybody has a day of the dragon. I think Tolkien really did well with that when he was talking about, uh, you know, the dragon smog and the, the dwarves. I think if you put a different set of lenses on when you watch those Hobbit films in particular, it becomes very emblematic of what trauma feels like. You know, the dragon comes and the pines are roaring and the bells are ringing in the dale and the, the men's faces are white and pale. It has this sense that, you know, life is not going to be the same this day moving forward. It's mm. almost like you're getting kicked outside of your own story. Everything's slow, freeze frames, yep. kind of uh, slow motion. Yep. You realize that Surreal. this is... So you're on, you're on uh, stage or whatever. You're, you're preaching about the flood. You had heard uh, people had come to you saying, hey, you know... You need to know this as a friend. Your marriage is in trouble, and here's what we're witnessing with your wife and someone else. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't want to hear any of it, and uh, this was in 1998, so this is ancient history now, but it feels... So what do you see when you're on stage? Uh, Now? No, what did you you see that day? I I saw them um, basically in the back row just uh, being very happy being with each other. (laughs) There, There was your wife and another guy. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty obvious that, you know, a seat was saved, and... uh you know, they were, they were very happy to be sitting next to each other and smiling back at me the whole time. So, um, you know, that, that just has a very surreal quality to it because it feels like you're in a dream because you're the only one on stage and nobody's behind you. Nobody's seeing what you're seeing and nobody really understands what's going on because nobody's looking in the back of the church. And so it has this 
it literally feels like almost like a movie inception. It's like a dream and a dream and a dream. And you mm-hmm. just want to wake up because it feels like a nightmare. It just, you can't even believe this happening. It's happening. So I got done finishing with that message. I don't know how. And uh, I just told the pastor at that time that I was working for, I just said, I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to be in a pulpit anymore. I'm not doing this ministry stuff anymore. My whole, you know, mission and ministry and uh, marriage and everything else just seemed to have been shattered. It was like a, a sword that I had carried around with pride as a sense of honor and strength was just destroyed. It was just shattered into a million pieces and all the shrapnel went inside me and someone took a, you know, a hand grenade and shoved it down my throat and, you know, wired up my jaw. And so everything imploded on the inside. I looked fine on the outside. Mm. Great guy, you know, uh, had his life together. I had a business that was thriving. And so I just basically went through that experience and here's the key. I did not internalize it. And so, therefore, my only other options were to externalize it. So a lot of the guys and gals that I climbed with on extreme adventures, whether it was skiing in the North Pole, which is not exactly safe. There's a lot of open water there. you got 13,000 feet of Arctic Ocean beneath your feet. You're standing on sometimes no ice at all or you know barely a foot or inches for the most part. Polar bear is a whole thing. And then climbing five of the seven continental summits um, – you know, I'm pushing the envelope there. A lot of the people that I've climbed with are no longer with us because they, as well as myself, were also in that same camp of, hey, we're not afraid to die. That's where we're on this mountain. Um, mm-hmm. It's living that scares the hell out of us. Wow. We just don't want to live anymore because it, it hurts too much. So that's the unfortunate thing. That is the net effect of trauma is you're never now. You're either fearing your future or you're punishing your past, but you're never now. And so that's a very, very uh, unhappy place to live in because you can never settle into yourself. You can never allow your soul to settle. You can't find home. You have no emotional home address. Um, and so you're always running because you're, you know, you just don't want to be right here. So either you're running towards the next thing or you're running away from the last thing, but you're never able to be present. And that's a very, very difficult way to live. But it just describes most of humanity. We don't do well with now. Because now hurts too much. So what do you got to do? Well, I don't want to oversimplify this, but you have to do that 18-inch journey. You got to get out of your head, which is where most of us live. The mind cannot comprehend. It doesn't have the spatial element to comprehend the eternal present. I don't want to get too mystical here, but there's something about the present. I think eternity is actually like now forever. I know that sounds really strange to say that, but it's, it's like this eternal present that just keeps going on and on and on. But I don't think your mind has that capacity to comprehend uh, that other dimension, which I would describe as heaven. I think that can only be comprehended in the human heart, which uh, the book of Ecclesiastes actually talks about that, that eternity resides or it rests or it hides, if you will, inside the human heart. Uh, The Egyptians figured that out. You know, when they would embalm uh, their kings or their pharaohs or their queens, they would take great pains to preserve and embalm the human heart, but they would throw away the brain. I think they understood that this thing that we make an idol out of our brains, and certainly I'm not telling us that we shouldn't honor our intellect or sharpen our minds or become educated. Um, I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that your mind doesn't have the ability to really live in the now. That's got to come from a deeper place, and that's the human heart. And if you're not at home in your heart, uh, if that's not healed, that that's not well, or if you think it's bad or evil or just unimaginably horrible, you're never going to be now because that's a monster to you. 
So I'm talking about some pretty deep stuff here, you know, and, and this is a great We said story, we were going to dig deep. There's some stuff there. I mean, <laughs> yeah. but I'm, I'm trying. That's what I do. So I've got a community of a couple hundred guys that I do life with now, and you're a part of that. And I'm, I'm just incredibly grateful that you've chosen to become a part of that community because men and women and children, all of humanity, we need to find now. We have to be able to get to that place where healing can happen on a deep level. We have to allow our shame to be healed. We have to allow our stories our dangerous stories to be told in safe places to save people. Um, and when that shame is healed and when you tell me your worst secret and I tell you my worst secret and we still decide to be friends or something healing that happens with that, because mm. I'm now embracing your humanity. I may not agree with what you've done. You probably disagree with it too, but I accept your humanity and that that's larger than politics. It's larger than uh, sexual identity or it's, it, it's larger than that. It's just simply acknowledging that we are all humans and we have something precious within us. Uh, and God loves all of us immensely, but you can't really say that or even begin to believe that unless you've accepted that for yourself. Mm. Man, we're on a, uh, we're on a ride today. Kevin DeVries joins us in studio. Uh, Filling in for uh, Pat Gray here, Pat Gray Unleashed. It's uh, Justin Barkley. I want to take a quick break, and we'll kind of put the wraps on this, put a bow on it, and stick it underneath the tree for Christmas. Mm -hmm. Kevin DeGree, DeVries and GraceExplorations.com. Thanks for joining us. Back right after this on The Blaze. This is Pat Gray, The Blaze Radio Network. We've been talking about this today, Barkley and for uh, Pat Gray today, and we're talking about uh, the biggest story of 2017. In my eyes, I believe it's disruption, the theme anyway, it, and it, I think it, it it applies to almost all of these different stories that we're 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 looking at, we're reading, and of course, I think it applies uh, to our lives on a daily basis in a in a in a, in a smaller scale. And 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 Kevin, your life was disrupted in a lot of ways. Yeah. Even though there's disruption. And maybe we can bring some hope for for Christmas and put that put that gift underneath the tree for folks. But even though, because I see that, boy, these things can be pretty scary, and it can go, it can either be disaster or it can be this is the future. We have a complete wide open freedom. All of these things, um, I feel like we play a role in that. There's some hope here. Yeah, disruption can be a good thing. Yeah. Every great story begins with a, a disruption. Yeah. Every great story, and uh, whether it's uh, in a novel form or if it's cinematic, uh, TV, whatever, every great story begins with a disruption. Somebody's going one place, and they think they're going to do this, and then all of a sudden something happens, and then their whole trajectory, their whole narrative has changed. So, um, you know, there are a lot of disruptions in our lives, and uh, I've had some, and I was very appreciative of the special ops guys that came to me on Mount Ararat in 2013 and basically diagnosed me there on the spot. Uh, I wasn't a psychotherapist. They all said the same thing. Uh, I don't know what's happened in your life, but something has disrupted your narrative. They weren't using those exact words. There was some other words that were used in that place, but they were all saying the same thing. You've got what we got. And I thought, well, is that Ark fever? You know, we're all looking for Noah's Ark together. If you've just joined the show... Um, and they said, no, you, you have, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, 
And I said, well, how do you know that? I mean, I've never really heard anybody say that. And they said, well, first of all, we look in your eyes and you've got that 2,000 yard stare into nothingness. Um, and then secondly, when you talk, you're always beating up your past or you're projecting something into your future, but you're never now, you're never here. And so that got my attention. And so, um, you know, in this holiday rush, it's like we're almost trying to capture something. You know, we're trying to capture this feeling, this sense of, of atmosphere, this sense of bliss, the sense of happiness, the sense of peace and well-being and wholeness and, and finding home. Everybody wants to go home for Christmas, and we don't even know what home means anymore. Um, I know that this can be a very difficult time for some people. Uh, I think you and I talked about this earlier. If, if you're life is good, it gets better during Christmas. If it's bad, it usually gets worse during Christmas because it accentuates everything that's either right or wrong in your life because you put so much emotional energy into this great time with family and friends and gifts and merriment and myrrh, you know, and and so there's this incredibly high expectation. And I just try to tell men because that's mostly who I do life with in our, in our redemptive community here in Grand Rapids. I just try to tell them, look, um, there's always going to be elements of your life. In fact, there's going to be mostly elements in your life that are unchangeable. You're going to have circumstances where try as you might, you can't either a control it or b change it. Mm. And I think that's, that's the divine. I think that's God saying to you, this is all on purpose. I'm trying to put you in a position where I've got you in some kind of cosmic checkmate and you have no other options to play on this board or on this theater of life other than to allow me to change you because all these other elements in your life that are spinning and spinning and spinning, you can't control them. You can't change them. But instead of trying to change your circumstance, and I'm speaking to people who wish their circumstances were different over the holidays, maybe the message of the holidays of Christmas and everything before and after, maybe the message is, is just allow God to change you. And give yourself as a present to the Almighty and just say, look, I'm broken, I'm fractured, I've come from the island of misfit toys. I know I'm throwing in a ton of metaphors in here. <laughs> you know, I'm the I'm the squirt gun that's shooting out ketchup. I'm the the train with block wheels, you know, I'm what is it, chuck in the box or whatever it is. I know I'm cranking back the decades here now with the original Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, but we all feel like that, you know, we're just on this island of misfit toys and we all wanna get to somebody's hands and we want to be picked off the shelf and we want to be loved and we want to have this perfect uh, utopia. And I, I think what maybe, you know, the message of Christmas is, is just allow God to change you, allow him to pick you, allow him to take you off the shelf. You're already loved. He's crazy mad and in love with you and, and who you are and he accepts you as you are. That might be the key for some of our happiness over this crazy holiday season is just to to ask that simple prayer instead of asking him to change the world and change everybody around us and this, that, and the other thing. Those are great prayers, but maybe the greatest prayer is, God, just change me. Mm. Just change me. Change my heart. Make me somebody different. You know, I got to tell you, Kevin, we had a really, um, we had a really tough morning here in, in, in this building. That, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have a, a guy who worked with us in this building where I am in Michigan who yesterday was killed in a uh, in an accident. Um, the details are still kind of sketchy about exactly what happened, but uh, he lost his life uh, by after being rear-ended, it mm-hmm. sounds like, um, by a truck. And 
He was uh, he was a guy that did, did some on air, some part part time work here at the country station where I'm at, and um, he had a job as a nine one one operator, and he uh, he was also a father, husband, and a father of mm. three kids. Wow! And I thought to myself, I read this story early this morning when I when I woke up, and I said, you know, there is so much we're going through all these stories about the top ten things. The top 10 stories throughout the year. And if you look back, it's been a blur. All these news stories, the craziness, the it's like drinking from a fire hose, right? All of these things, how many of them matter? I mean, they seem very important in the moment. They're all emergencies. They're all fires that have to be put out or something that we have to worry about. But when you look back and you get like the, you know, the 30,000 foot view on these things, they really don't amount to much at all. They're taking our eye off of the focus of what really matters. And you were kind of talking about that just a second ago, the things that really matters. We move into the holiday season, what really matters. And that story for me today was just a reminder to do more of what matters with the people who matter, Mm -hmm. you know, most in your life. All the other stuff, we kind of complicate this. You know, we want to make it so much more complicated. I think that's the brain working again. But Exactly. Uh, man, I am just thankful that, uh, that we got a chance to be here with you today and, and to talk as we only got a, about a minute or so to wrap up here with you. Kevin, if people want to, uh, come, maybe want to watch that film, Finding Noah, findingnoah.com, they want to go to graceexplorations.com and learn more about what you're doing and what you're into and just maybe connect. I know you do a lot of stuff here locally, but you go out and you talk at a lot of different places. You speak too. I do. Yeah, wherever the doors open, uh, do a lot of men's events, but I also speak in community uh, places, uh, churches, corporate stuff. So it's pretty much all over the board. Yeah, I'm an inspirational yeah. speaker, so if they need yeah. a story that can be inspiring, I'd I love feel to like tell there's them. a book coming this year too. Yeah, it's a series, so we're we're yeah. working on it. <laughs> okay, I, I I see the look in your eye. Yeah, I can't wait, man. I think that's going to be really good. Yeah, it'll be bigger than me, which is beautiful. I'm excited. I'm excited for you, man. Thank you for sharing, and uh, thank you for for uh, being here and telling us a little bit of your story because it's been, I think, impactful. And somebody's going to hear this, and I think it makes a difference. You know, I believe so. We all need a little bit of hope, don't we? Yeah, well, that's for sure. Every every one of us that is. Well, that's it for us. Uh, I'm back next week, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So you do get a little bit more of me. Thought maybe you were done a little bit more. Uh, looking forward to that. We can connect online, by the way, Justin at JustinBarkley.com, the email, going over to my blog and say hi. would love to see you there. Of course, at Mr. Justin Barclay on Twitter. And uh, we'll be back on Wednesday next week. Until then, we want to say Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and uh, and to, to you the best. Kevin, thanks for being here, man. Thank you, Justin. Have a great one. Merry Christmas, guys. Hey, thanks to Ron, by the way, for keeping me honest back there. You're the best. Pat Gray Unleashed on the Blaze Radio Network.